Round 3 Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. Spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The pot drop, the pot drop. Just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So, uh, another episode, one after the other. Uh, I recently released my uh, Washington Capitals episode, and now today, back by popular demand, part three of my Trevor Gillies conversation. So, uh, just a quick note, this is an experiment. I am going to try to cut down my intro significantly. I know that uh, in the past I've uh, gone on a bit, and um, I know some people fast forward through the intros. I personally think they're very interesting, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, I am going to try to make it more of an intro and not like a mini episode. So we're going to see how this works. So uh, as I always say, if this is your first time tuning in, Thank you very much. I'm glad that you're giving my show a try. If you're a repeat listener, I appreciate you coming back. And uh, I hope that uh, no matter if it's your first time or your 50th time or anywhere in between, I appreciate that you're, uh, you're back again or back for the first time. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Like I said, this is part three of episode 48, my chat with Trevor Gillies. Thank you to everybody so far who has provided some feedback on parts one and two. Uh, as I said in the beginning of the Capitals episode, definitely the uh, episodes that I've received the most feedback on. Uh, Trevor's an amazing guest. Uh, it's almost like a blessing from above uh, that he is um, really uh, forthcoming. That's the word I'm looking for, forthcoming. Uh, he's not holding anything back. He's saying some things. And actually, I think there's a few things in this episode that I was like, holy shit, that's pretty awesome. And hopefully you'll feel the same way. But um, thanks to everybody for the feedback. And of course, thanks to Trevor for all the time that he's giving me uh, with this episode. He is now the uh, guest that we've done the longest amount of minutes with. And I don't imagine. Oh, I mean, there may be one or two guys that... Uh, in the future that we could do as much, but, uh, I doubt it. I, this, this could be the new record holder, uh, as far as time goes, but, uh, well, I guess we'll find out. So 
uh, if you do like the show, I would suggest that you subscribe to the show. Uh, show usually drops on Mondays, but if you're listening to this on a Sunday, it means that you're a subscriber, and thank you for subscribing. And you get the content as soon as I upload it. So right now it is uh, Sunday morning at 10 to 12. Islander game is about to start in 10 minutes. Um, you're, you could listen to this as soon as it's uploaded. If you're not a subscriber, then at some point on Monday the content will appear. And uh, why wait, honestly? Like, especially today. Islanders are playing at 12. Game's going to be over around 2.15, 2.30. I would jump right into this episode. Get your Islander fix after your Islander fix. Why not, right? And you know there's not going to be any physical play in this game today, so uh, this interview will uh, absolutely quench your thirst for physical hockey. Uh, but uh, if you don't mind, if you could subscribe to the show if you don't already, uh, like, rate, and review the show, all that stuff uh, increases the show's visibility on the different platforms and, uh, it makes the show bigger and, uh, you know, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I think we all want our shows to be a little bigger, but, uh, if, if not, I am really appreciative to the audience that I already have, but let's see what happens. All right. Social media, Twitter, two Twitter accounts at Joe Lazito at Joe underscore Lazito. You think I would know that by now? And at Kali Sinbin pod, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. Uh, hit up all those social media platforms. Uh, follow, like, whatever it is, on whatever you do on each of those platforms, do it. I'll return the favor in kind. Uh, merchandise is available. I am introducing alternate logo merchandise. It's the same logo, same face, head logo. Uh, but the, the lettering is a little bit different. It's a little old school, like the old, uh, property of, uh, t-shirts. You see property of New York Islanders with the logo in the middle. So, uh, it's a little bit of a variant of that. Uh, that merchandise is now available. There is a link on the bottom of the episode description of this episode that you're listening to. Uh, there's a link to the original merchandise and there's a separate link to the alternate logo merchandise. So definitely check out both of them. I'm really happy with um, the alternate logo. And uh, the person who drew that logo, of course, is Joe Marisic. You've heard me talk about him before. And Joe was kind enough to do the lettering for the alternate logo as well. Uh, Joe is a great human being. He's a great man. He's very selfless. Uh, definitely hit him up for all your art needs. He is available for hire. You can reach Joe at GraphicsJoker on Twitter and at LoudEgg.com. So if you see my logo or you're familiar with his work, you know he's amazing. He's just uh, a very talented human being, uh, does all kinds of art. And like I said, uh, my logo was done by Joe. Again, scroll to the bottom of the description of this episode. You'll see two links, one for the original logo, one for the alternate logo. And the discount code, the listener exclusive discount code for this week is Goddard. G-O-D-A-R-D, Goddard. Why? Today's Eric Goddard's birthday. Happy birthday to Eric Goddard, March 7th. Happy birthday, big fella. Hands of God. Uh, God, I'd love to get him on the show at some point. So if anyone knows him, please reach out. Let him know that uh, I would love to have him on the show. But uh, check out the links for the merchandise. Use code Goddard, 20% off for one week. If you like this show, you will probably like the shows I'm about to tell you about. The Fourth Line Voice podcast with my friend Darren from Saskatchewan. Darren's latest episode is is a good one. Uh, his guest is Marco Cefalo. If you're not a fan of uh, junior hockey or the uh, Quebec League, you may not be familiar with him. But Marco was an amazing guest. And um, 
really, really outgoing. And uh, just the episode really, they had a good flow. And uh, I learned a lot from the episode. And uh, like I posted on social media, uh, Marco seems like the kind of guy that would be really cool to have a beer with and just listen to some of his stories. And uh, Marco corrected me. He's more of a whiskey guy. So um, if you happen to see Marco in a bar, uh, I forget where he is. Uh, somewhere in the Midwest, I think. I, I could be completely wrong. He's, he's in the States, though. Uh, if you see Marco in a bar, uh, buy him up some whiskey and uh, ask him to tell you some stories. But definitely check out the latest episode of Fourth Line Voice. Great, great episode. Um, and if you're wondering, yes, there is a relation to Jimmy Cephalo, the um, former Miami Dolphin. I was wondering that as soon as I saw that Marco was going to be a guest. And uh, he does briefly touch on that. So um, even though the names are pronounced differently, they are related. And now I believe on the fourth line voice YouTube channel. I think he's almost, if not surpassed 2,500 fights. If you've watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it's on the fourth line voice YouTube channel. Definitely check that out. Uh, I utilize that for most of my interviews. Uh, I don't even do it on purpose. I just go to YouTube. I punch in a player or I punch in a fight. Usually fourth line voice is the first one that pops up. So um, definitely check that out. Definitely listen to the fourth line voice podcast. Uh, you will not be disappointed. The bucket drop. Bobby Longgrass is back. Uh, different format this year for his new season. Uh, quick, short episodes, probably between 8 and 15 minutes long. More about uh, current hockey. Um Focusing more on the uh, Ontario teams, Ottawa and Toronto, and his team, of course, Montreal, which is in Quebec before you say, well, Montreal's not in Ontario. I know that. Uh, those are the three teams he seems to be focusing on. Uh, he seems to be giving some betting advice, uh, pumping uh, some app I'm not sure about. Uh, I think it's only available in Canada anyway. But uh, if you like to bet, you like to gamble on games, probably something that could help you. I know I would need the help because I don't know anything about those teams. So, uh, But it's good to hear Bobby's voice again. It's good to have him back. And uh, definitely check out the Bucket Drop podcast. And finally, sad news this week in the podcasting world, Alec Olin Salen the host of the Five for Fighting podcast, is taking a hiatus. Alec has some real-life stuff to tend to. Uh, apparently, his job, he's getting, I don't know if they have projects, whatever it is, but uh, some pretty heavy-duty projects coming along. It's going to take up the majority of his time. Uh, also, he's looking to get back into the military. He's trying to get back into military shape. So as much as we love to do this stuff, you know, Darren, myself, Alec, Bobby, uh, it's not real life we well i was gonna say we all have jobs <laughs> they have jobs i am still furloughed uh but we all have real life stuff going on and alec has a ton of it right now so uh he's putting the podcast on the back burner unfortunately for us that that love to listen to it but uh he hasn't closed the door on it he's gonna i'm sure he's gonna bring it back at some point but um you know alec's a good dude really love guys like alec who, who are a lot younger than myself and I uh, have that old-time hockey spirit in them. It's always good to see. Uh, I usually overuse the term breath of fresh air, but uh, someone like Alec really is based on the uh, current state of hockey and the current state of hockey fans his age. So uh, I just want to wish Alec all the best in uh, all his real-life stuff that he has to take care of. And uh, hopefully it's not too long before the podcast makes its return. But uh, I would definitely take this opportunity to go back and listen to his back catalog. He's had some pretty amazing guests, so... Uh, Definitely uh, take the time, go back, listen to some of his episodes, because before you know it, life goes so fast. Um, 
you know, a year could go by, he'll be back. So, uh, so definitely check that out. Also, Alec is the czar of the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook, and he also runs the QSPHL slash LNAH jersey and equipment page. Definitely both worth your while, uh, especially if you can appreciate the old Quebec League and the jerseys and the stuff that uh, that they had. Some pretty wild designs. I enjoy it. And there's a few hardcore collectors on there. They have a, a ton of shit and uh, really, really fun stuff to look at. And the Enforcer Appreciation page, of course, um, Listen, there's a lot of riffraff on there. There's a lot of people on there that I, I just shake my head at every day. But uh, for the most part, some really good people, some real hardcore fight fans. And, of course, you get the actual guys who did the job. And it's always fun to interact with them. So I would definitely go on there, like the page, follow the page, and uh, and participate. You won't be disappointed. We're up to the point in the Apple. Oh, let's see. How long have I been recording for? Not bad. Not bad. 11 minutes. Okay, good. I'm probably way ahead of time. Uh, we're up to the point in my intro where I tell you that uh, the Lazito family could very well be moving to Florida at some point in the next few months, uh, summertime. So if you are in Florida and know anyone who might be hiring, or if you know someone in Florida who might be hiring, if you have any contacts in Florida, I'm going to need work. I would appreciate any help. It would mean the world to me and my family. Uh, we are, uh, we've narrowed our search down between Tampa and Fort Myers, probably more realistically, we're looking at Tampa to the Sarasota area, but I am not excluding anything in that larger radius. So if you know anyone in that area that might be hiring, please let me know. Uh, I am open to almost any job. Obviously, I don't think uh, at my age right now, I'm looking to do outdoor work, especially in the summer in Florida. Uh, I don't think I'm really built for, well, I might be built for construction, but uh, the asthma might not uh, help me out there. And of course, I have no desire to do any sort of sales work, but pretty much anything else I am wide open to doing. So um, please, uh, if you're, if you hear of anything or know anyone, please send them my way. I would really appreciate it. We're now up to the 2021 Islanders slash Bridgeport Sound Tigers fight report. God, I wish this was longer. That's what she said. But. Uh, I do have two fights to report since the last time we spoke. Uh, unfortunately, I have no new Islander fights to report, but I have two <clears throat> Bridgeport Sound Tiger fights. On uh, February 25th, Felix Bebo fought Alex Olivier Voye. Uh, you may remember Alex Olivier Voye from his fight on February 13th against Kyle McLean. Uh, that's uh, Alex Olivier's second fight against Bridgeport this year was against Felix Bebo. And uh, a few days ago on March uh, March 4th, Parker Watherspoon fought uh, Jacob Lauko. And uh, yeah, Jacob Lauko fights about as much as you would expect someone named Jacob Lauko to fight. I'm not dogging on the guy, though, because at least he fought. I give him all the credit in the world, but he's not an enforcer. Neither is Watherspoon. Um, but as I, uh, as I post on Twitter all the time... Um, Yannick Turcott, Mike Cornell still have yet to see any uh, game action for Bridgeport, unfortunately. Um, I'm not going to get on my soapbox again. If you've watched any of the games, you see they're not very exciting. And I, I know, I understand the whole dynamic of the minors and what the American League is there for to develop prospects. I completely understand that. Um, throw one of these guys in a game. There's no life 
you know, um, a guy like Seth Helgeson, he can only do so much as one person. Uh, he's a hitter. He's a banger. He drops the gloves, but he's one guy. And um, there, I, I just, at this point, I'm watching the same games that uh, everyone else is. And uh, I don't understand how you don't throw a guy like Turcotte or Cornell in there to, to spice things up a little bit. And I'm not dogging Brent Thompson. I actually think he's a good coach. I think I actually think he's the perfect coach for this organization. He brings stability. And uh, if you look at the guys that have played under Brent Thompson that have moved on to the Islanders or other NHL teams, uh, his track record is there. And of course, you know, I like, uh, I'm a big fan of Matt Karkner, the assistant coach, but um, I'm not dogging on the coaches. Um, I just wish that, I, you know, some of these games, they go through long, long spells of just lethargy and there's no spice, there's no hitting. And, uh, it's certainly not the American league that I grew up on. So, uh, well, I said, I wasn't going to get on my soapbox. So let me step off the soapbox that I'm not getting on here. Uh, hopefully next episode, I'll be able to tell you that Yannick Turcotte or Mike Cornell had a fight. It means they're getting in the game. I know they're chomping at the bit. And uh, it would be great to see them in there. But those are the two fights that have occurred since the last time we spoke. And uh, like I said, hopefully next time I'll have a bunch more for you. Let's see. What are we up to now? Yeah, way ahead of the game. All right. We're only up to 15 minutes. So listen, folks, uh, that is my new streamlined intro. Uh, I hope it didn't sound rushed. But uh, but I, I feel like I'm losing some people with my 30 to 40 minute intros. I, I don't think they qualify as intros. Uh, obviously, I would have loved to chat a little bit about the uh, latest developments with the Washington Capitals and the Bruins this past week. But um, in case you didn't see, I did release an episode uh, yesterday. Uh, about the whole thing, which would have gone into this introduction, which of course would have made this introduction about an hour long. But um, check out that episode if you want to know my feelings on uh, the whole Alex Ovechkin bullshit and Tom Wilson. Now, if you if you know me, you know I've been pretty critical of Wilson in the past, so I think that episode may surprise you with some of the things that I have to say about him and the whole scenario. So, with that, I'm going to end it right there, and uh, we're going to get started. Trevor Gillies part three. And yes, for everyone who has asked, this is the episode where we finally get to some New York Islanders talk. Uh, I think you're going to, if you're an Islanders fan exclusively, I think you're going to really like the next two episodes. So, uh, so buckle up and let's go. Trevor Gillies part three. Have a great day, everybody. On November 4th, 2005, you got the call that uh, every Canadian kid, every a lot of American kids, a lot of kids worldwide, you got the call that you were being called up to the NHL. Uh, do you remember where you were when you found out? Was it a phone call? Were you at the rink? What's the story behind uh, you finding out you're going up to Anaheim? Uh, I can't remember exactly where we were playing at the time because obviously, you know, uh, I've been hit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I do remember, you know, as a tough guy, like I told you, uh, my coach was um, Kevin Deneen in Portland, an awesome guy, great player, phenomenal. He was a young coach and um, get the call to the front of the bus and, you know, you never, you're thinking, you know, you might be getting pee-pee slapped or <laughs> or you might be watching a couple good things or, you know, just watch some tape uh, on the laptop or whatever with the coach. You know, it was pretty typical, but doesn't happen too much in my role so get called to the front and the other coach is sitting across and they're both staring at me and you know Dino's right against the window and and I'm sitting there on the left seat and the driver's right there to to our left 
and um, he kind of goes, "Hey, Gil, so, you know, how do you think you played?" Type deal, and and I was like, oh, "I thought I had a pretty good game." He goes, "Yeah, so did I." And he kind of messed with me a little bit and um, says, "Well, how you feeling?" Because I'd been in a bunch of fights. Like I can't remember everyone I fought, but I remember one of them was just like an absolute war with um, Josh Gratton mm-hmm. and um, tough kid. And yeah. I dropped him in the fight to a knee and. And he pops right back up, um, and then we just keep going. Like, it was a lot of punches landed by both of us, and it ended up being one hell of a scrap. And, um, you know, th- that was in that time. I, I can't, I'd have to look back, but, I mean, had a lot of fights in a short period of time and was a little dinged up. And, you know, um, Dino tells me that I'm getting the call. And I was just, like, pretty much, like, like shut up. And uh, <laughs> he goes – not really, Gilly. You get in the call, and you know, was, we both just got emotional, and he kind of gave me like a hug, and he asked me if I was all right, and I said, "No matter what, I'm going up." Like, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of knew that, so uh, you know, uh, no, it was an amazing feeling, and um, you know, getting there, and then I'd have to. I was watching tape with the head coach at the time, Anaheim, and the video coach, and you know, it's the game has obviously changed a lot, but we were actually watching tape of Derek Bugard fights. So, you know, it was obvious what I was up there to do. Um, you know, may Derek rest in peace. He was, he was a big, dangerous, long, um, powerful fighter and just a monster of a man. And, and in my opinion, you know, the champ at the time, definitely up, definitely one of them, maybe George, the rock, a couple other guys, but you know, he was just killing guys. Uh, he was on an absolute wrecking, wrecking spree, and, um, you know, I wasn't going to take no for an answer type deal. So it was my thought, man, my thought process was, you know, you're either going to make me or break me big boy. And, um, you know, I was doing all right, but, um, definitely missed my grab and, um, you know, had already been hit a couple times. So, uh, it is what it is, right? Like, yeah. uh, everyone loses fights, but he had sized me up pretty nice. And I couldn't tell you if the punch was. Um, hard or not, to be honest, Joe, it was like, I lost a couple of minutes of my life. Um, obviously, you know, I don't remember being knocked out, but, uh, watching the tape thousands of times over the yeah. years, I could definitely had no legs and, and I, I hence know what I look like walking down the tunnel. And, um, you know, it was like, uh, it was like a hot steak knife at a fancy Morton's or Ruth Chris or any of the phenomenal steakhouse across this great country, uh, going through like you know, garlic butter and a, and a juicy filet. It was just like perfect. So, you know, and, and, you know, knowing fighting like I do and, and probably many others listening, it, it really only takes four pounds of pressure to be knocked out in the, with a right, with the perfect shot. Um, obviously it doesn't happen often, but you know, that was a lot more than four pounds of pressure and, and it was a perfectly placed punch. So he got me there, buddy. And, um, you know, I went into the room and, you know, crack a sniffer and, go to the cold tub and put cold water all over my head and neck. And by the time the doctors come down from the press box, um, you know, I did all the testing. It was a lot, probably a lot more lax than it is now. Concussion protocol, obviously, yeah. um, past everything, you know, touching the nose, touching my nose, touching the doctor's finger, standing on one foot, balance stuff. And I, you know, your adrenaline, it's your first NHL game. So your adrenaline's going like crazy. And, um, actually went back out and tried to fight him again. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that he didn't fight me again because I might never, I might never have played again. Um, 
and I ended up having a very long career after that. So, um, you know, that one definitely was the only time I've ever been knocked out from a fight in my life. I've knocked myself out with hits many times. Um, you know, going over a guy, smashing my head against the boards of the glass, things like that. Um, but from a punch, that was the only time I've ever been knocked out and, and I've been fighting my whole life on and off ice. So, um, fortunately, uh, I'm not getting, I'm not getting hit anymore, but, um, you know, kind of had to, you know, um, when the adrenaline wore off, obviously I had a concussion, but you know, you're, you're almost too proud to say anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't too, I didn't think I was that bad. I don't know if it's just that macho attitude that we have as fighters. Um, and then, you know, obviously I get sent back and my first day on the ice, dude, I was an absolute mess. Like, you know, I couldn't focus and just felt terrible. Like I was puke and like, you know, Dino's like, Gills, you, you, you're not all right. Huh? I'm like, you know, you don't want to say anything. You're like, yeah, coach, I'm all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's blatantly obvious that I had a, that I had a bad concussion. So, um, you know, Brian Burke is a phenomenal dude. I'm actually listening to his book now. So, you know, didn't really like the way it happened. But, you know, since I got hurt in the NHL, like I wasn't cleared. So they they couldn't play me in the American League. So I literally got called up to get better in Anaheim. You know, and obviously you'd rather be playing. Who cares about the money? Like you want to be playing. Like I wish it never happened. But right. to be honest, man, it was kind of like the best thing that ever happened to me as a fighter, to be honest. And I know that's a lot of what people remember is right. Cause that was a pretty devastating KO. I I'd been on a, a bit of a rampage for many, many years in the American league. Right. But like I told you, it doesn't really matter what you do in the American league. So yeah. I had my shot and you know, I, I gave it all I had, but I got caught by a bigger, tougher dude. And, um, you know, I, I realized at that moment, after I got better, I, my first shift, I think, back in the American League or one of them, I fought again, and I was back to my old self, and I was like the high-paid babysitter for the kids, right? Look after yeah. the look after the prospects, be a phenomenal teammate, and, and love my job, and just went back to it, hoping someday you'd get another shot, and, and it didn't come for a very, very long time, but, you know, it's still a blessing um, to get the call. It's every boy and, and girl's dream to, to either play in the Olympics or play in the National League, and... Um, Dude, I can't explain to you like how amazing it was skating around and warm up with all these legends like Timu Solani, Niedermeyer, all these guys, and um, just every hair on your body standing up. And um, you know, obviously, it didn't go the way I wanted, but hey, such is life. You know, um, everyone, you know, you got a story too. So yeah. um, I had to learn that you know Trevor Gillies isn't isn't exactly big enough to go toe to toe with the behemoths. So. You know, for years it worked. I'm left-handed. Um, you know, even the guys longer than me, I'd, I'd get in there and, you know, be able to do my thing. But after that, uh, you know, I really started taking MMA and training with certain fight coaches. Um, one of them I talked to today, actually. He manages my rental house. Um, we call him the White Ninja. His name's Chris Elms. Never drank, never done drugs. He could throw a butter knife from across the room at a bar or anywhere and stick it into wood. Like, sword fighting, you know, he's multi-degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, Muay Thai coach. I mean, he's just an absolute specimen and um, a smaller guy. But I call it a key. He used to tap out Forrest Griffin at, at will. And oh, wow. Forrest Griffin 
world champion and you obviously know him. So, um, you know, just an awesome, awesome coach and can relate it to whatever you think. Like, like I have a buddy who's a retired army ranger that did a lot of contract work and he'd be there training with Chris at like 6am and I'd come do my warm up because you don't want to be paying your fight coach to warm you up. Right. You get an hour session. It's Mm -hmm. not cheap. It's not cheap. And, um, especially with this high level of guys. And so I'd be warming up and I'd be watching this guy on the ground working with him on like arm bars with kill moves, like with a fake gun and knives and all kinds of crazy stuff. And every day we'd pass by each other. And when he was done, he'd be like, Hey, big guy. And I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm thinking in my head, like you're the big guy. <laughs> See, he's a little shorter than me, but just an absolute specimen, you know? Yeah. And so ended up becoming best friends with this guy because of Chris is telling him how I was. And then we went out to, you know, we went out to Waffle House. So a lot of things happened for a reason, right? And yeah. he's still a very dear friend. And my buddy Stevie DeMent was also, I still trained with him on the pads. And uh, also Mark Grubel. They were three coaches that took me to the next level, learning how to cross-grab properly with jiu-jitsu grabs. And a lot of the stuff you see me do is a lot of people hadn't done in the NHL. So, like, going away from power, triangle blocks. I kind of learned the triangle block and knowing it would work through Rick Rippon, who's another guy that unfortunately passed me. Yep. He rest in peace. And, you know, just was an amazing fighter. A lot smaller than me. I never fought him, but I used to watch all his fights and say, damn, this guy's got great head movement. Like, uh, you know, he's look at his triangle blocks. Like, this is shit I can do because he's fighting bigger guys. And, and obviously I had to fight like the big, the big super heavyweights. Right. So, and you know, not everyone was bigger than me, but the majority of them were. Yeah. at least in length and in, in arms and in height. So, um, you know, it made me, uh, go back to the drawing board and realize like, Hey man, like I gotta, I gotta learn like how to not get hit and to be able to land when they can't and, um, you know, block and, and not think just tuck your chin and go toe to toe. Like, you know, like, like, a like a moron. So, <laughs> um, you know, that one was definitely, um, a blemish obviously on the record, but, um, Hey man, you know, if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have carved out the career I did because after that I learned how to, I wasn't taking as much punishment in fights, um, you know, and I learned how to fight properly and, um, you know, it was an animal, like, to be honest, like I was doing like five, six days a week, I'd take Sunday off and private lessons every morning and then go to the gym I'd go home and eat and go back to the gym and do your, you know, your special training for hockey you know, plyos, all the different stuff the guys are doing today, like bear crawls, burpees, you know, all the different stuff, sprints, working on power systems, working on your strength, lots of flexibility. And, um, you know, it just made me realize like, Hey, you know, as a fighter, if you don't have the mentality, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to beat the shit out of that guy. Like, uh, you know, you never take anyone lightly, but you literally have to be, it's the killer be kill attitude. So, um, and if you don't have it, well, then you're going to lose and uh, you're going to be looking up at the light. So it was a, it was a wake up call for sure, brother. But, um, you know, definitely something I'm very proud of. I'm glad later on, which I'm sure we'll get into that. I got another shot and, yep. and was able to do very well. Um, and you know, and not be totally remembered for that one. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's about as, about as transparent and honest as I can be about the situation. Um, you know, you had nerves first game. I mean, it was, but just the feeling, right? Yeah. Like, and realizing like, damn, I got here, but it, it's not an easy league to stay in. So I got to work harder, you know, um, you know, as fast as it came, it, it went that fast too. Right. So, um, so, you know, you know, just still 
every year just you know trying to be the man in the a you know and i'm not saying i was the man because there was lots of guys that were the man the a was the jungle we called the jungle for a reason it was tough as nails so and a lot of the guys i think are tougher in the american league they just might not be as good a players or they never got their shot i'm sure we've already discussed that over the yep. six hours we spent but um you know Truly, truly took pride in my role and my job. And uh, if I didn't truly love it, wins or losses, you know, it's kind of that mentality like movie 300, right? Yep. When that the guy, when uh, Leonidas's hot wife says, come back with your shield or on it, right? It's, yep. it's that mentality. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's just the way it is, man. Mm-hmm. If you if you're winning them all, you're not fighting the right guys, right? So, yep. um, and yeah, that's me. It's a me and Yabo line. I was just gonna say that. I've heard you guys say that many times. So, yeah, it's the truth. Yep. Um, you know, if you're winning them all, you, um, you're a spot picker. I yep. mean, even even Larock and Bugard and and some of the best of all time, they didn't they didn't win them all. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Probert. I mean, they, none of them. No one won them all. Yep. So, you know, I'm I'm honored to have been able to have the the big the big man on my card three times you know what i mean like i'm way undersized he he literally made me look like a child and i'm a big boy (laughs) he does that to a lot of guys yeah he does that to Uh, a lot of guys when you when you go back and watch his fights he's huge yeah it's you know and it's funny because you always hear guys that fought him earlier in his career like in in junior or in the minors say i got him at the right time because his stuff from the Western League and early American League stuff, he's a completely different guy. And that, well, he hadn't he hadn't come into his own yet. Learned how to yeah. you know you watch him his progression. Like he learned how to fight at the end of his reach, right yep. where all your snap is and your power is, where no one could hit him. He learned how to use his body and throw it all instead of just being off balance and arms. Like I mean, I've studied him. I've studied everybody. Yeah. So I mean, but to be able to have the intestinal fortitude to realize like well that fucking sucked but hey you know you got to hop back on the horse let's rope and ride right it's cowboy mentality even though i'm a city kid (laughs) um you know you gotta you gotta grab your nuts and and um otherwise you're done and and that's just the way it is right so Mm -hmm. now your next fight was almost two months later uh i believe your first fight back was against garrett strohshine of portland so I guess my question would be in that period of time between the book, another, fight, another absolute monster. Yeah, exactly. Command. Another, another big dude in that, Giant. in that period of time, the almost two months, um, that a fight like the Bogart fight, I think would have broken a lot of guys to the point where maybe they don't retire, but they're hesitant to go back out there. Or, you know, you might see they just, they, they're gun shy now. And obviously with you, that wasn't the case after Strohshine, you fought Mitch Fritz three more times, you fought Sean Thornton again, Grenier, Gerulier in the same game. Uh, what what do you have to do mentally? And I know, I, I mean, anyone that's listened to our, our conversation so far knows your mindset is second to none as far as the job goes. But did you have to do anything extra psychologically or mentally to get you back into that? Uh, well, not really, big man. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, if I didn't do it, they'll pay someone else mm-hmm. a lot less money than me to do it. That's a hungry young Western Canadian or, or wherever they're from. Um, you know, that's the job, dude. So, you know, I wasn't a good enough player to go out there and try to toe drag guys and, and um, you know, try to score goals. Like, this is this is my bread and butter. 
I like to think that I was a better hitter than fighter. Um, you know, I could I could really hit. Yeah. So, you know, I could get around the ice pretty good. Probably not the first best few steps ever to play the game. But, um, <laughs> you know, once I got going, you know, I have a good buddy who has a podcast. And I love this guy. I met him when he was real young. He's I like to consider him one of my best friends in the game. We don't talk as much as, you know, we used to. But mm-hmm. phenomenal dude. His name's Shane O'Brien. Everyone yep. knows him. He played 600 games. He's quite the character. He speaks well. He has a phenomenal podcast that I listen to very regularly like yours. Um, he's It's my favorite. I, I, I'm going to go on a limb here, but I like it better than Chicklets. So it's called Missing Curfew for anyone who wants to check it out. And okay. You know, we were just like brothers, right? I was like his big brother. He had... Big Oves has huge hands. He, like, he's got some. He's got some major balls. Like he'd fight heavyweights, but he could really play. Like yeah. he had great mitts for a big boy. And, you know, obviously you don't play 600, 600 games uh, draft pick in the round he went in unless you can play. So um, he nicknamed me the Gill Train. You know, when the train's on the tracks, you better get off or you're gonna get <laughs> run over. So like that's how I played, right? So, and if I didn't hit and fight, I wasn't a factor. But Especially, you know, at that le- at those levels, AHL and NHL, if you're not getting hits and you're just that guy that can barely skate, and you go up and ask someone on the dr- you're non you're a non-factor. So like, you know, I would take skating and constantly work on my fitness so I could fight long time with these guys if it because they're all tough, right? So you have yeah. to be able to you have to sharpen all the tools and um, you know just bury dudes like that was my that was my thing. And, um, then if you, if you're, if you're getting lots of hits, um, the fights will come to you. So that, that's the true, you know, that's truly what you have to do if you want to be an enforcer and, and to be effective and also to play a long time. So, um, yeah, so everyone still calls me the train and I <laughs> <laughs> kind of a cool name. I mean, oh, trains definitely. Are cool. So, Absolutely. uh, but yeah, man, um, that old barn in Portland, what a place, um, yeah. Just love it. The fans there are phenomenal. What a city. Like the first year I played there, uh, my stepson, who was super young, and um, we lived right downtown. I mean, I lived like a half a mile, a mile from the rink. I could, I walked a lot, um, you know, in the snow, like just a savage. And just a great team we had there, man. Like it's the who's who. I could name all the names. It's it's wild and um, just a cool place to play. It's pack that joker every night and you got the old poor you know what people don't realize is is portland they have some passionate fans but they if if you're a foodie and you like to eat like i do eat i don't get to my size by not liking to eat um you know it has the most at one time i don't know if it still does so they don't quote me on it but it had the most five-star restaurants per capita i mean unreal food um you know it's just a cool spot like beaches good fishing you know, you had guys like Tim Brent going, I didn't hunt back then. I just yeah. learned how to hunt two years ago. But you had guys like Timmy Brent going hunting and Glen Cross, like after practice. I mean, just a really cool place. Mm-hmm. And super passionate fans. They've had a team there for so long um, that they really know their hockey. Yeah. You know, so, um, and Brian Burke is an absolute architect. I mean, I'm listening to his book and just to hear his mentality on how a lineup should be. You should really listen to his book. It's amazing. Um, I have the I have the book. I'm gonna get to reading it. So yeah, so like his he's just a mastermind. So he literally, you know, orchestrated a, a team in the American League the same way he orchestrates a team in the NHL. Like we were if we were sick, um, you know. I mean, I've already mentioned some of the names. I mean, yep. you got 
even Corey Perry and Getzlaff played with us for like 37 games. Yeah. You know, you got on D, Aaron Rome, Kent Huskins, Stanley Cup champion. Um, great guy, by the way. Um, Shane O'Brien. I mean, Tim Brent, Curtis Glencross was on the fourth line. The guy scored 30-something goals in a, in a year with the Calgary Flames. I mean, right. the team is stacked. Mm-hmm. Ryan Shannon. I mean, it's Zenin Kanopka, Pierre Parento, Dustin Penner. I mean, it's just a, it's an insane team, and it was just so much fun. Dino was awesome. Um, you know, I truly love my time with the Ducks organization, and I have tremendous respect for Brian Burke. Uh, giving me a shot, you know. Love me in Portland, um, and we'll talk about him later on in my career when he gives me another shot. But, no, nah, man, that was, like, some of my favorite years, um, those two years. Just still have a lot of friends in the town of Portland that don't play hockey. Um, you know, just, just one of the highlights. I mean, I, I played in a lot of dumpy towns in the American League that love their fighting, and they were all, all blessings. All the stops along the journey were were meant were put in front of me for a reason. That's truly how I look at life, right? But, um you know, Portland, I loved Abbotsford too, beautiful British Columbia, but we'll get into that later. Uh, I, I liked living on the beach in Milford, which we're about to get into probably um, pretty soon. Um, but that's that city's awesome. And, you know, I got the fan favorite award both years and community service and, um, you know, just, just a cool place that, you know, there's a guy that sat behind the bench, and I know they don't have a team, I don't think anymore. But for he's an he was an old guy, and uh, every during the anthem, he, he during the anthem, right at the end, he'd yell every game, whether I was in or out, whether I was on another team on the road, he did it every single game for years, and he would say, "We want Gilly." <laughs> And then the whole crowd would go nuts. Like, I mean, like they used to chant my name there. Like, I love that place. Like, yeah. uh, you know, um, obviously I'm married to a Southerner, but I could easily live in Portland, Maine, in that area. It's beautiful. It's, I love fishing. It's just a great, great, great city. Now, speaking of being married to a Southerner, if my math is correct, it was the summer of 2006 when you got married to Mrs. Gills. So hopefully... That's right. My, okay. Now, anyone who who has listened to you do any shows or read any articles knows and they've heard you say before that you have fought several of your groomsmen now obviously not at the wedding but over the years you have fought several of uh the people in your bridal party so i'm wondering if you can sort of get into that and uh, and talk about who was in your bridal party and and uh who you fought oh man i had a, t- I had a tough wedding <laughs> But, um, no, Jeremy Oblonsky is one of my all-time best friends. Uh, you obviously, we've talked about that already in the, in the couple hours, many hours we've chatted. But, um, you know, met Yabo in, in Peoria, Illinois, and uh, he was our top dog on the forward, and I was our top dog on D for fighting. And, um, you know, we had a lot of great supporting cast there. I mean, it was insane that how tough that team was. We already talked about it. But he was in my wedding. He's one of my best men. My brother, obviously, I fought a million times. He's pretty tough, too. Good player. And um, my buddy I used to wrestle and fight with. Never really got in fist fights with him because he's not with us anymore. But his name was uh, Neil, Neil Diesel Zimmer, I called him. And uh, he was a prop in rugby. But very – he made me better because he was – 
270 pounds and is so strong. So he'd always wrestle me. We'd go to his badass cottage with like boats and sea dews. And in the winter, they have four wheelers and snowmobiles. And, you know, it's the place is paradise, you know, volleyball court, bocce court. Like it was just awesome. And, um, you know, Matt Zoltek used to come because we all met. We I met Neil when I played for the Caledon Canadians when we first started this. So, you know, he may always make – he's so strong. So, um, you know, wrestling with him and the only way I could do well against him is I'd have to punch him in the, in the kidneys <laughs> or the liver or whatever, do what I had to do because he was just throwing me around. But um, so that helped, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mike Scroy. Well, I was just at his wedding in Orlando. It was probably the funnest wedding I've ever been to. It was an absolute blast. There was tons of pro fighters there and some hockey guys. and um, It was just an absolute banger of a party, and what a time. Um, Brendan Brooks, I never fought, but he's one of a very skilled player, and he can fight too if you look him up. He's I used to call him Bruce Lee on steroids. He's like a little ripped up, ripped up like a bad report card. I gave him that nickname because he would always flex after wins and stuff and just like a perfect body on him. And, um, you know, he's a great, great man. Played a very long time. Um, played in Europe for till he played 20 something years. Um, who else was in my wedding? Brandon Cullen. I fought a bunch of times. Tough dude. Great guy. I played with him in junior in Oshawa. Um, I was a, um, in my last year when he was a rookie. Who else was in the wedding party? I fought six of the eight guys. Uh, my buddy Billy Rose uh, knew, fought him a couple times. He's uh, my brother's best friend, so he was always around. His dad was a phenomenal coach back home in, in Cambridge and coached my brother on the way up. Uh, they're the big noof, I call them. But, uh, you know, we have we were always very competitive. So even if we were playing roller hockey with, you know, a helmet on and shin pads and elbow pads and gloves at the school, you know, we'd be rubbing and bumping and, sla- you know, it's old school hockey. So, like, slashing and all of a sudden, you know, you punch it punch him out in the in the mouth with a glove right <laughs> someone crosses the line it's you know that's the deal you're you know back back when we played especially growing up i mean you had to uh you had to play along that line right so um but no man i had a it was just an awesome group of buddies and, and so many countless others that were not at my wedding that you know that's one of the coolest things about the game is is just the quality of the humans that play it and it's a very humbling sport right i mean yep. you see like you could be the man and then all of a sudden you get knocked out when you get called up the next day right it happens so um you know and a lot of people come from just very hard-working middle-class families and some are loaded and have money because it's not a it's not a poor man's game right it's a rich man's game it's like golf yeah so you know and the ones that are middle class or hard-working families their parents sacrifice so much time and and money and taking out a second mortgage i mean there's all kinds of stuff that go into guys anybody who has a chance to ever play you know that's the reason they get a chance to play is because of so many sacrifices by their family and loved ones um you know you gotta have the top skates you gotta play in triple a like travel around hotels i mean it's a it's it's crazy so especially now i mean sticks are what 250 300 bucks skates are like six to eight hundred bucks i mean it's yeah that doesn't count travel that doesn't count sign up that doesn't count nothing so um you know uh i just feel truly blessed to have had the career i had especially uh you know uh, built my box grew my box as they say but you know just the parents that i had that gave us the opportunity that we uh that me and my brother got and um 
Dude, what a ride. But, you know, that's definitely one of the highlights, Portland. So the first year I lived downtown, second year I lived in the beach. It's called Higgins Beach. A bunch of the boys lived out there. And they were like these rich people's summer homes. So they go away wherever they go, you know, California, Canada, wherever they're from. And you get them for a steal. Like what you get them for for a month, that's not even what would cover like a week in the peak season. So just some cool places, man, like right on the water, right by the beach. Like, you know, the the best one was Tim Brent and I think Glenn Cross and they, they had this baller house. So right on the water i mean we could literally walk like 50 steps and walk out into the surf and you know go striper fishing and stuff it was phenomenal um but no man just so many memories my daughter was conceived at that beach house we had this old cobblestone uh fireplace that me and my wife had you know real wood and crackling and bought my first flat screen there (laughs) you know like big flat screen (laughs) a vizio and we still have it, actually. It's in my daughter's bedroom. Nice. Um, you know, just so many great memories, man. Um, obviously, we were a stud team. That helped. Made it to within a minute of going to the Calder Cup finals where we would have won. Um, we played a very unreal team that won the Calder Cup. So that broke broke a lot of our hearts, obviously mine, because um, I never – I got close. Uh, that was the closest I got, and I uh, was in that league a very long time. So um, that was a special team. Um, we lost, I think, in double overtime with like a minute and something left um, in game wow. seven. And then Hershey went on to um, dominate the Calder Cup four games straight against Milwaukee. So, um, yeah, I have a buddy that won a ring there, Graham Mink, and another guy I played later in my career that was, I think the captain, I call him mean Dean Arsene. <laughs> and, uh, he was an old school, tough D yep. man. He'd fight whack and hack and just loved him. He's a hell of a leader to play with him in Abbotsford. But, uh, so those are two guys that I know that won a cup there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, their goalie, to be honest, like our goalies were pretty good, but they, we had Yanni Herme and, uh, Nathan Saunders, who's no longer with us. He's a phenomenal guy. Um, he passed unfortunately when, a deer went through his window. A very oh, sad story, but was just an amazing human, and we really liked him and his girl. Um, that was a tough loss a couple of years later. But uh, so yeah, I mean, Yanni was good, but Yanni had some kind of, I think, a staff type of infection, so he wasn't like he used to be in the NHL. And we ran into their goalie. I forget his name, but French guy, big, and he was the best in the league. So uh, you know, you run into a hot goalie and. We had, I mean, with even with the firepower we had, we still ended up losing. And um, just two amazing teams that should have been the final, but yeah. we were in the same same conference. So, um, you know, it was uh, two great years there. But that one was the highlight, obviously. Well, the second year you were there, we're going to play the game again. Who did Trevor Gillies fight and how many times? So in 06, 07, I, I just have some of the names here. Uh, Glenn Olson of Worcester, you fought twice. Dale Purinton of Hartford, you fought three times. Uh, Mitch Fritz, you fought two more times. Paul Krusty, three times. You fought a future teammate of yours, Tim Jackman. And you fought a guy named Mike Hoffman five times that year, who uh-huh. later in the season became your teammate. He's actually my, he's actually my buddy. So yes, the, <laughs> that's the a, guys. The, he's my buddy now. So the guys who got me in um, into what I'm doing now, credit card processing with Merchant Pro Express, is the Devon brothers. They're twins, and they're from Situate, Mass. And so they both they both were stud players. They look very much alike. And um, 
you know, Mikey Devin was a defenseman and Joe Devin was a forward. And I played with him at the end of my career and he was our captain. I was our assistant in Charleston. We'll talk all about that later. But, you know, so Situate's a small town. So all the guys that play hockey that are good, they all know each other. So Billy Tibbetts is a buddy of mine, too. I'm sure we'll talk about him. Um, Great. I love him. But, you know, he's a little misunderstood in the hockey world. But, um, you know, for he deserve he should be because he got screwed. So Billy, uh, Billy's phenomenal talent and a great guy. And I'm honored to call him a friend. Um, hope he's doing well, but, um, you know, so all these guys know each other, big Hoffs from there. So long story short, um, you know, Hoffs a big boy. I think I gave him his first American league fight. We'd have to look back at it. He was very young at a college in Cleveland. And to be honest, I beat the absolute brakes off him. Um, it wasn't close. And, um, Hoff just is one of those guys, right? Big body, like, you know, not as big as Boogie, but big guy, long arms, kind of held his held his head back. It was hard to hit him. And as he kept developing, he'd work with Doug the Thug Smith and, and guys like that, and he's strong. And he just kept getting better and better, right? So that year, I think we had a couple close ones. Um, you know, I think he might, you know, if you look it up, I know they don't have that sight anymore, but, I mean, he gets the edge in a couple just because of reach and stuff like that. But, you know, and then we ended up becoming teammates, and it was probably the best hockey I ever played in my life on his line. Like, what people don't realize is, is Mike Hoffman has talent. Like, yeah. he's not just a meat. So, um, you know, he had good hands for a big boy. He can move. Like, he, he's a good player. Um Shit! If I if I could have played like him and had his size, I would have played in the NHL for fifteen, twenty years. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's not and that's not you know being cocky. That's just the truth. I mean, you can't teach size, and right. you know he's a he's a specimen. So um, you know, but what a, what a great guy, and um, you know, honored to call him a friend. He's a real estate agent now, does very well, and um, you know, super smart. I always make fun of his little salmon shorts he wears. <laughs> 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 I mean, like. I'm like, what, what the hell are those, big guy? <laughs> but, you know, he was a union rep for a long time like me. I started being a union rep actually in Portland, first year in Portland, um, since we're on Portland. And, you know, he ended up being one later on. So, we, you know, after we were teammates, and I think I got all my points playing with him in, like, a short period of time. Like, he's – we just were great together. They put us with, like, a good defensive center, and me and him would be doing our thing, banging bodies, and people were terrified with us, too, on the on the wings together. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> He's a great dude, man. And uh, I make fun of his shorts, and he's like, he's like, Gills, if you didn't wear these salmon shorts and situate, he goes, you would never get laid. You know, like, <laughs> just make, you know, he's funny cat, like, pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I'd bust up on his wardrobe because I was like a t-shirt jean guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wear, like, dress clothes to the games, and, you know, he's wearing all these, like, prep, you know, how kind of how I dress now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't wear salmon, I'll never wear salmon. <laughs> I think it's nice that you're even calling it salmon. I I figured you would call it pink, and then he would say, "No, it's not pink. It's salmon. yeah." Well, I mean, I did. I said, "Look at those, bah, 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 you know, yeah. running my soup coolers," and uh, <laughs> he'd be like, "Gills, these are salmon." Yep. You know, so like, it's just you know, we're very different, but I love the dude. He's an awesome guy. So, um, and then some of the other guys you named, Big Fritzy, you know, he's so long. He's you know, he's. He liked it. He could, he didn't really string guys out. If he would have strung guys out like he could, like they yeah. would have never touched him. Mm-hmm. So I did real well against Mitch. Um, he did well against me too. Like they were always good competitive fights. And, um, you know, he's just very challenging because like it was real awkward to, to, to kind of have to duck in and out of his arms. Right. It's the only way hit him in the body, 
you know, pull him from pull him from center grab to be able to land shots on his head because he's just so damn tall. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was a little bit different, but you know, he's he was just a great dude too, like real you know, kind of a gentle giant, like always thankful. And you know, he's with the same agent as me and Peter Cooney. Co- Cooney's had a ton of tough guys and loves tough guys. You know, he loves the guys that are put on the work boots and do whatever it takes for your team and be a good teammate and, you know, carve out a good, good little career in the American league and hopefully you get a shot. Right. So he, he liked those kind of guys and had a ton of us. I could name a ton of names for you, but we won't do that, but yeah, no, Mitch, you know, it was great to see him get to the league and, you know, he did really well. I mean, he had a good one against the rock, like, geez, I mean, the rock fucking animal. And, uh, anyone who says he isn't, they sure don't know how powerful, I mean, he could literally launch guys that were 250 right off their skates and just throw them. I mean, he was just a beast left hands. And, um, you, 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 uh, also brought up a name by Olsen, um, Yep. That was that was probably my most devastating fight in Portland. Um, young kid challenged me. I ended up playing with his brother um, Benny Olson yep. later on in my career that we'll get to, and I love the kid. Yeah, and, I love uh, Ben. So his older brother, um, that guy's nails, man. So, yep. you know, I ended up just coming right down the pipe on him. You know, had a good tin, chin tucked, and you know my other arm up, and and I just. Once I got on him, I knew he was hurt, and I just stayed on him. I I ended up breaking his face, yeah. um, his orbital bone and stuff. So you know that's I mean, you know I don't want to hurt anybody, right. like especially a young guy, right? But mm-hmm. um, you know he the coolest part about I don't know him personally. Like obviously I know his brother very well. We partied a ton of times. We went to war together. Love love him. But uh, his what people don't realize is. Glenn, his older brother, also got in a an airplane accident. Oh, no kidding. And the fucking plane crashed. And, like, pretty much every bone on the guy's body was broken on one side, and he still lived. Like, no one else lived. Like, he's tough as fucking nails, right? Holy so, shit. Yeah, you have to look it up. But it was wild. And um, so I don't know if that derailed his career, but, like, a lot of respect for him, you know? He was hungry, come out. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be done, right? So, yeah. like... I don't believe in stage fights. They all happen for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. you know, when people say that, they make me sick. Like, listen to Brian Burke's book. He has the best, you know, he has the best explanation of it all. Um, you know, it could have been something that happened a year ago, three games ago. You know, it, it's, there's never, I don't believe in the stage fights. I right. think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's just their way of trying to get rid of it from the game. And, you know, they can do, they can do what they want, I guess. But uh, it doesn't mean I have to like it. So, um who else did you mention? Uh, we talked about uh, Purinton three times, Paul Crossy yeah, so three Big times. Dale, I told you I fought Big Dale when I was real young in NHL camp. Yep. Big Dale was strong. He liked to try to get in tight, grapple. Um, what I – Dale didn't realize, but um, I had learned from Nikki Fatiu about leather straps because I had them. I had the black ones that were thin in, yep. Portland, in, um, in Hartford and also in Springfield. And I never had it happen to me. Well, in one of those, uh, in a fight in um, Hartford, I got th- this one older guy, I forget who it was, but he controlled by my leather straps because they'll never, they're bolted in. They'll never, they'll never rip. They're not right. like plastic ones. If you grab a plastic one, I can rip them right off their head immediately. Right. Um, you know, the leather ones don't, so he could control my head. And so I learned when I was like talking with Fatiu, he told me, he's like, see this? He's like, you got to get rid of these. 
and um, he showed me this move, and he was controlling my damn head, and he was old. Yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck? And so I said, all right. I go, you made your point. I'm like, I'll get rid of them now. Mm -hmm. And so I would always look for that, right? You know, you learn. Like, so if you don't, you're a retard. So, like, he's like an encyclopedia, like Marty McSorley. So yeah. I learned a lot from Nick. And um, so I would look for that. So when Dale wanted to go, I seen he had the leather straps on. He didn't have the skinny ones. He had the big ones. And so I did the move. Yeah. And I controlled his head the whole time. So one of those fights wasn't very good for, for Dale. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the box, and because I know him, right? So yeah. I knew him when I was real, real young at 19 with, with the Rangers. And I got a lot of respect for him. He's a little bit of a wild man, but yeah. I like that. I like that. I have no problem with that. Um, played, he definitely played on the on the line and over. So you know the way it's supposed to be done, in my opinion. Um, and so he goes, Gilly, like, what the fuck? How did you do that? You know? <laughs> and I said, Bro, I'm telling you, you got to get rid of those red leather straps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, I'm telling you, you got to get rid of those. And so he wanted to go again. I did the exact same thing to him. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that that was a that was thanks to Nikki. Those went well. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Paul Krusty, Manchester three times. Oh, dude, I love that kid. Yeah. He was hungry and, uh, just kind of like how I was, you know what I mean? Like real respectful when I asked Mal, Mad Mal and he came out and man, the kid can chalk him, dude. Like, yeah. you know, till he ran into my boy McIntyre later in later years, but that ha like, just like everyone, right? That, that happens to everybody. Oh yeah. If I, if I guys so but no man i had some really great fights with that kid they were very entertaining toe-to-toe -to -toe. i mean i definitely think i got the edges in them but you know they weren't lopsided like the kid's a warrior and um man he, he just liked to sit there and chuck him dude tuck his chin and we chuck him right so like just old school but i like that kid like i was a huge fan i wish i could have played with yeah. him he was uh yeah he had some fucking balls for sure yeah you fought a ton against manchester that year so uh yeah those yeah. must have been some fun games portland and manchester yeah you know that that division's kind of a wild man division yeah. you know um you know it's all I, I think it's the toughest division in hockey um you know just all the teams are so close rivalries are big right you got like you got lowell hartford springfield it's like so close you know you got providence like wild old barn always have tough guys um you know you got Bridgeport, Portland. I mean, it's just a wild division, you know, and then you're playing, you know, you're playing Albany a few times and, um, you know, it's just, those are the days, dude. Like, and every team had a, had many guys. So, uh, yeah, it's a fucking blast. <laughs> now at one point that year, you spent some time in Augusta. What was that about that you got sent down to the coast? I, I fucked up my hand. Okay. So, um, I, and I, I can't remember if I got a damn cast on it. I think I did. I had a cast for a while, and it was driving me bonkers, and I was getting bagged. And so I think they ended up spending some money for me to get, like, this weird splint thing. I probably still have it because I don't throw that shit away. It's like, you know, if they heat it up, it's, like, custom-made, and, and it's got Velcro on it. This, these kind of fucking – these braces are super expensive, you know, so for yeah. a team – get you one is is a big deal right because yeah. having a cast on while you're bag skating and working out and doing the bike and all that shit i mean it's nasty yeah i don't care who you are it's nasty yeah. so to be able to get that shit off and then still have a thing on where you can at least hold a twig it's not like you're shooting pucks because that vibration while that bone's healing and mending is is just going to fucking fucking up one pass will fuck it up right but just to be able to have a glove on your hand 
and be able to skate with the boys and bag after to stay in shape and, you know, be a part of the group and, you know, still being able to be around the team every day and be positive in the room and be that glue guy and, you know, a wild man in the room, which is what I was best at, um, is just the being a room guy. Um, you know, that's, that's cool. So, uh, it was, it was when it was mended, uh, you know, it was when it was mended and, and, um, it just so happens that I live in Augusta, Georgia. I owned a house at the time, which I still own. I rent a military. It's in Ivy Falls, and it's you know we outgrew it. It's it's a it's a beautiful home. You know hardwoods, you know vaulted ceilings. Two, but it's only two full, two big bedrooms, two baths, right? And right. so we outgrew it. So, but I still kept it. And um, so, like when I got sent down for conditioning, I was told with very strict, stern orders by Brian Burke. To, that I'm not down in there to fight. I'm down there to play a lot more than I ever have and to get in shape to come back. So I come down and I'm in, I'm staying in my own fucking house. Like yeah. it's awesome. Like my wife who's pregnant is in at the beach in, in a uh, Higgins beach with my son, my son going to school. She's working and I'm in, and it's there. It's, we get, you get dumped on in Portland, like just so much snow blizzard. Yeah. Like we're by the ocean. It's wild. And, uh, you have to have a damn fire on you. Freeze your ass off. <laughs> so, uh, so, and then I come home and I'm like, man, I could wear shorts to the rink. You know what I'm saying? So man, it was super cool. I got to play a ton. And so this is another cool story. So while I'm down in Portland, right. I got family that's here locally and friends coming to the games and got to play against my little brother. He was playing for, uh, we were lined up. I got pictures of me and him lined up on the wings. I was on left. He's on right. He's a right winger. Nice. He's a right shot. I'm a left shot, you know, and my brother played a ton and I played a ton that night. So it's not like, uh, you know, how he would play a ton and then I'm on the fourth line and, you know, don't play a ton. It was like so fun and just chirping each other, kind of hitting each other and, <laughs> Um, and you know, so like he told everyone, like, you don't want to go near my brother. Like he, <laughs> he's not allowed to fight. And if you make him fight, he's going to do something stupid. He's going to end your career. Like, that's how I thought. Right. Because I have strict orders. Like I want to go back up mm. and I don't want to, you know, Brian Burke's the fucking boss man. You know, you don't want to disrespect the boss man. So, and we ended up playing this team, Alaska. I think it was the aces. And, um, yep. they have this guy on the team. Oh, what the fuck's his name? Florian. Hans- Hans Benson. Oh, Hans Ben. Okay. So I'm playing good, but I'm not going to like, I'm down there to hit. I'm down there to try to get a couple points. And I did, I didn't score, but I got, a, I think I got like a couple of apples and was playing a ton, man. It was fun, dude. Like, and then when guys would ask, right. Like, and I'd be like, dude, I respect what you're trying to do, but like, I have strict orders from Brian Burke. I'm not allowed to fight. Like, mm. and he's like, he's like, come on, man. You were just like me. Give me a shot. You know how bad I wanted to fight yeah, that kid, but I, I couldn't. Right. And so I'm not going to change my game. Like I'm down there to play and get better and prove that my hand's good enough. And then I'm going back up. So it ended up, I ended up staying longer than I thought. It ended up being like three and a half weeks, man. I was in paradise. Yeah. Playing more than I've ever played in my life in pro, you know? Um, And so it was a blast and uh, I ran, I was running around and then all of a sudden, it was a commercial here for a while for one of the hospitals. So Hans, I get run over from behind because I'm running around. I get crushed in their bench. My head, my helmet hit smacks the board. And when I get up, all these young guys like that are, you know, the East Coast is pretty young. Yeah. They're just chirping me. 
Oh, how you like that showtime? Like, fuck you, Gillies. <laughs> you know, like, you fucking bull, you know, fucking goon, whatever. And I get up, and, like, my wires cross because I smack my head pretty hard, you know, the eyeballs. Yeah. And, like, it was hot wire in a car, dude. Like, I, ha- I can flip it on if I want. And they just – I didn't have control of that one. I looked up at their coach, who I believe was Keith McCambridge. Okay. You'd have to look. I can't remember. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I knew him. But I look at the coach, and I look at these guys, and I go, that's fucking it. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, get up, and I sprint, and the puck got dumped in on the left side, which is where I'm supposed to be, but I'm on the right. I mm-hmm. buried a guy. I got I got hit a guy, and then I got buried from behind. So I, I just go right down the right wing, totally out of position. Their D-man gets the net. He's coming up the left side, which is actually, if you're, you know, would be the right side, my right side. Mm-hmm. And I literally clothesline the defenseman like it's not clean at all right like I, I almost decapitate him it's like slap shot shit like <laughs> in warm-ups when he gets clotheslined yeah you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. like that's what i did to the guy he i was gonna hit him with a clean hit but he juked me he made a nice move and i was beat like i look like a fucking moron so i if i wouldn't i would have had to stick my knee out which is i didn't want to do right or you know, hip check, didn't want to do that. So he he, he totally burned me. Yeah. And so I just stuck my arm out. I clotheslined this guy. So then this other cat had to come grab me. I didn't have a choice. He yeah. was a big boy. I, I beat the piss out of this dude. Like, over, over, under, under, over, under. Like, I mean, drop him, pick him back up. Like, it was, it's a huge difference from the American League to the coast. Right. Like, you know, so, you know, especially when you're like a, Oh, an upper upper guy, as we say, an upper tier guy, like what I had built myself up to. I wasn't when I first got there, but it built myself up to that. Mm-hmm. So Hans Benson's losing his mind on the bench, and I'm, I told you know, calling me every name in the book, and and I told him, I said, if you ever get to the American League and we play each other, we're going. I promise you, you're gonna get what you want. Just I go, just work hard, kid, and get there because I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and so we'll get. We I did end up getting him. So, well, we could talk about that right now. Continue the story. Where, when was that? So I can't remember exactly, but he was playing for Springfield, mm-hmm. and I think I, oh, I was in Albany. I was playing for Tom Rowe, which is a cup coming up here, mm-hmm. you, know, you know. And so he's he plays. He get he's there. He's their guy. He's not a call up. He's their guy. Right. And I was like, I always study the stat packs, like the game notes. People call them. Yeah. So I studied, I was a stat pack animal. I'd get there early, have a chew, do my sticks. Like I'm real, like, um, not superstitious, but like, I like order. You know what I mean? It's routine. So I'm sitting there going over the stats pack for the whole league. And then I go through the game notes for the night and I'm scrolling through and I see fucking his name and it rung a bell right away. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm going and so I didn't even need to ask him because he came right up to me in warm-ups. I used to like to stretch a, at the warm at the red line. Everyone knows that. I had the yep. wildest warm-up routine in the history of hockey probably. And you know that. Yep. And so. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, hey, man, whatever it took to get me ready. And it was always the same. Like I'd pray in the corner and this almost like splits, like a mohawk. I mean, everything was the same for yep. years. And, um this guy comes up to me and he goes, and I was like, Hey, congrats. You know, it was really, we were really respectful. Yeah. I said, Hey man, I told you, congrats, man. You worked hard. It's not easy to get, I call the East, I call the East coast league, the easy come hard leave ECHL. Yeah. And a lot of guys call it that. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to get out of the league. 
especially now where they carry more bodies in, in, in house in the American league, it's very hard for guys to get out. So I congratulate him on the call up. And, um, and he said, thanks, man. You know, he's like, uh, you know, the deal. He's like, uh, I'd be, I kind of, I want to go. Yeah. I would be honored to have you on my car type deal. The same thing. We all say to each other. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'll give you a fight. I didn't say, you know, like anything rude. I just, in my head, I had already, once I seen his fucking name before the game and I got there like two and a half, three hours before, I'm always one of the first ones. I seen his name and I already started getting ex- like excited. I was yeah. like, Oh, this is, I wanted this to happen back then. So, um, that one didn't end well for him. Um, <laughs> I fucked him up, Joe. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, he, he's a tough kid. He stood in there, but he's way smaller than me and I'm lefty. And I was just teeing off on him. I broke. I, sh- I think I shattered his fucking nose and gave him a concussion. Like I fucked him up bad. So you know, it just goes to show. Like, hey man, you know, you were trying to get me when I was at a. You knew I had a fucked up hand, and I was down there for a reason. I'd been in the AHL for for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, it's just a typical thing. Like you know, I want people at their best. You should want me at my best. I told you by the code, which you usually let guys off the hook, like, I'm not allowed to fight, and you chased me around. The whole game made me look like a bitch here in Augusta mm-hmm. and slashing me and shit, so I had some fucking anger, bro. And I let it out in that fight, and um, his face definitely paid, so. Well, I scrolled ahead in my notes here, and the note I had for that fight, I put... I was angry. I wasn't angry a lot fighting. Yeah. Well, I, I put... Looked, uh, I, I was that one. As I say, I put systematically dismantled Hans Benson, <laughs> so, so yeah, it, was it was easy to see on the video. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad one. It was a bad one. Um, the last game of the year for Portland was <laughs> against Hartford, and uh, a guy who I believe we spoke about already, but we're going to talk about him again, was Francis Lassard, who you had fought Fuck. twice already. And uh, I'm assuming you remember the incident that happened as the teams were uh, coming on the ice for the start of the second period. Do you remember that? I could never forget it. It's one of the most legendary incidents I've that I ever had and that I think anyone's had. Um, in Portland, you had to cross. So the visiting team would come out where the Zamboni came out, and we came out of our end where the room is back there, and you'd have to cross because their bench was on the other side. And so friggin' Frankie, which who I do not know, and I'm going to explain something else in a minute. People might love it or hate it. I don't really give two fucks, as you know. So. Right. Um, I think most of the people that listen to this are obviously Islander fans and, and probably are a fan of me like I'm a fan of them or, or they know my career and, and know I had a couple screws loose once in a while. <laughs> One thing I didn't play with is I didn't like guys crossing the red line in warmups. Yep. Like I'm old school, man. Mm-hmm. Like I will, will, me and Zen and Kanopka will tomahawk you in the back of the knee and try to start a brawl in warmups. Like this is, and Shane O'Brien and all the other guys. You know, we were, we arrived in five, we were like a wolf pack mentality. And, um, he, you know, he's coming right at me. Like he's going to hit me. Like he's flying. Like, do you know this? He had like two rolls of tape on his fucking yeah. ankle. The guy, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The guy couldn't turn, but he could fly. Mm-hmm. He'd murder people on the forecheck. Like he's just is a lunatic. Right. So we had many fights, but, um, this one again, I was angry. He came flying at me, and I throw my forearm out. Like, he's about to run me over, and I'm not going fast. I'm floating over to the bench. Mm-hmm. We got to cross. And then, uh, fucking, away we go, dude. You know? Good old, good old-fashioned puck hadn't dropped. The fucking guys are still all skating around the ice. And it was one of my best fights of my life. Yeah. Um, I think I've had him almost knocked out on his feet, 
his face was fucked. Um, I vaseline my shit, so that was pretty good. And uh, he went off the ice, like barely able to get off with his fingers in the air. And we were in Portland at home, and fans went bananas. And um, he spit on me, like when it was getting broken up. And at my coach, I yep. forget his name, the assistant, like Crowder. it was. I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real, real here, and I hope one of them call me because I'll fucking line it. I'm in shape. I will fight any one of these three guys tonight. <laughs> so, um, there's three guys in my career that if I if they ever came up to me with any lip, or probably without lip, it, we're probably going. Like it, we're probably going, and I'm 42 years old. Like this is how much I fucking hate them. One is Francis Lassard. Because he fucking ended my buddy Brandon Cohen's career with a sucker punch in the NHL for the Islanders. Yep. And he sucked jumps. He said he's a killer. He's tough. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it right. He just jumped motherfuckers all the time. And I cannot stand him. Um, he's probably one. Two is Louis Robitaille. Mm-hmm. Louis the turtle. Robitaille. The rat. <laughs> he just, it's tough enough to fight middleweights. But you go after skill guys and... I just I would love to murder him. I'd love to set up a fucking cage fight with him, and um, and then also Dennis Bonvi. Really would love to fight Dennis Bonvi. Um, just a big mouth. He picked his spots at the end of his career, going Joel Reckless and guys like that. Let me take Bisonette. Like just some of the shit he would say would be totally offside. Um, and I truly don't think he's as tough as everyone thinks he is just cause he put up a bunch of penalty minutes. I would absolutely murder him in a street fight. Um, I'm not a fan of his. So, um, those are the three and, uh, that's about as honest as it could ever be. Like only my real friends know this. They know those three names. I talked yeah. about it at Scroy's way, but, um, now everyone knows. Yeah. So, hey, if those guys want to, if those guys want to get off some money, um, uh, I'm sure we could sell a lot of tickets. And okay. I have the whole fraternity agreeing with me. You can ask other guys if they have the balls to say it, but a lot of my friends are killers uh, that played, and they cannot stand Francis Lassard because he just jumps fucking guys. And he's tough. He didn't need to jump guys. Right. And that's generally what I've heard guys say, that the frustrating part about him is... I'd ask him right on the draw, and he'd yeah. give me the French accent. I'd ask him honorably. I was like, hey, you want to do this? Like, let's show him what we're about. Buckets off, whatever. And he'd be like, no, you know, like, whatever. Like, I know fight you, like... Um, you know, and then he wait till you're at the end of your shift and you fucking, you wouldn't even know it was happening. You'd be getting punched. Like, yeah. so I'm glad I gave it to him there. Uh, I gave it to him pretty damn good. It was a hell of a fight. I mean, yeah. you could still look it up. It's hard to find, but it's out there. No, I have it. I have it on the just DVD. Coming so. out of my shoes, like yeah. machine gun style, as hard as I can, zero defense, just touching and just giving her, but, um. No, I mean, I, you know, he had a good career. I can't take, I'm not taking anything away from any of those guys, but right. just, if I could fight any three guys that ever played, those are the ones I'd want. Uh, like I said, I've heard guys say that about Lassard, and they always say the same thing that you say. He didn't have to do anything cheap. He was no, tough he was enough tough. to be honorable, but, you know, sometimes he crossed the line. Yeah, and then the other guy, Robitaille, just mm-hmm. the shit he would pull, just his mouth. Like, I have no problem with chirping, but just like, come on, man. And um, just some of the shit he did to guys and uh, whatever. I can't say a whole lot. Yeah. I, I have a few blemishes on my record, too. So, <laughs> okay. it is, you know, we'll leave it at that. Um, 
So you ended up signing with Carolina. Um, was that uh, something maybe Carolina made you better offer? Were you hoping to stick with Anaheim or you thought it was time to move on? Well, it was obviously time to move on. Um, I, I got what's called the group two screw. So back then there used to be a thing called group two restricted free agent. So my deal was for 65, but really on paper, it only showed I was making 50 because I had a 15,000 guarantee. So that you, 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 your agents used to put that in. So they're more than likely to give you a call up, right? Cause you can eat through 15,000 fast in a couple days up in the NHL. So that's what they would do. So I made 65 and then the second year I got what's called the group two screw. They never had to give me a raise on the, on the bonus the 15 that made it 65 because of the way it was written. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a, a the small raise. That's all they had to give me on 50. When I went from making 65 fighting everyone, you know, doing the job and right. doing a hell of a job at it, fan favorite to take that. So I wasn't happy about that. Right. And, um, you know, obviously still honored the contract trying to get to the league and I blew my shot, but you know, my boy, Sean Thornton, who I love went up and, you know, he is a better player than me. He won a cup. I'm, pumped he won a cup i'm pumped he won too but um you know and and they just went with a different route obviously so i wasn't in the plans like i'm sure i was in the plans to be in the american league as the as the brother which i love uh for years and years if i wanted to but that wasn't my goal joe we've talked about this all throughout like my goal is if i'm not getting i want to get to the league and so you know I, after that group two screw year, I became an unrestricted free agent because of age. I think it's around 27. Don't quote me on it. I've been hit a lot. But, um, so then my agent shot me around, got a bunch of deals. And my, my old buddy, Tom Rowe was the head coach in Albany, mm-hmm. uh, under Carolina hurricanes. So get offered a hell of a deal, which, you know, you know, you're kind of doing something in the role back then. If you were at like a hundred grand or more, yeah. that was kind of like met you were in the upper echelon you know you've a lot of the boys that were you know doing real well like that's what you wanted to get to that's like a pretty good living you know and uh and so i get offered a hundred grand on the on the minor league on the ahl side so and obviously i love me some tommy Rowe and um went to camp had a um when i signed they wanted me to go to this camp that changed my life so i want i've already talked about him but i want to give him more props so it's uh Frank Burgraff, the Burgraff Skating and Conditioning Camp. It's in Fargo, North Dakota. It's a phenomenal. If you want to get better at skating, these these people are the best on the planet, in my opinion. And it's the hardest camp ever. So um, he calls it every day. He'd be like, light day. He'd go, Gilly, light day today. Gilly, light day today. And it was like the hardest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, man, Tom, Tom knew about this camp. I went to it. It. It, I lost a bunch of weight, um, was a, not looking like as much like a, a cage fighter as I was a hockey player. Mm-hmm. I could move better. Um, you know, I didn't put up points. It isn't what I do, but like, um, you know, truly got used in the right way by Tom. Um, mm-hmm. Dino did a good job with knowing how to use me as well, but, um, so can't complain about that, nor would anyone listen. No one wants to hear a complainer. But, um, you know, I love playing for Tom. Our assistant coach was Jordy Kinnear. I think he still coaches. He's a yep. fucking tough guy when he played. And just a blood and guts type guy and fought everybody. And um, I love him. I yeah. uh, love Tom. Had a great team there. Um, 
you know, we had Wade Brookbank. I love that dude. He sat at the very back. I call it piss hole. Right by where you go in the pisser, there's the three seats there. Yep. So he'd play the longest and oldest guy. He got that seat. It's a good spot for sleeping if you don't have a sleeper. And and I was right in front of him. And to my right was Keith Coin, And in front of him was Dave Gove. Unfortunately, we lost Dave. He was a hell of a guy. Um, great player. Loved him. Um, in front of me was uh, Mike Layton. In front of him was... Uh, Tim Conboy in front of him was Dwyer. I mean, we just had like a great old group and then we had these awesome young kids. It was fun. Um, tough fucking team. Uh, had a great time. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned Brookbank. I was going to ask you about him. Love He's fucking awesome. Great guy. Um, always be stretching. Great leader. Qu- quiet kind of leader. Um, great pro just a true pro and um he's an nhl scout now so um pretty cool i loved him he's like a brother he's like a big bro he was great and uh of course you played with the wrecker on this team joel recklage oh yeah so uh that's where i met wrecker wrecker's like my little brother we're very very close and uh i'm gonna tell a few stories about the wrecker so um i break my hand in a fight against john nasty morasty i was the first guy to give him a fight in the american league I took pride in doing that because I had some great old guys give me my shot. And, uh, you know, without that, I wouldn't have gotten to stay. So me and John have a hell of a fight. Really tough fucking guy. He's the hardest head I've ever hit. And uh, I break my hand in that fight in four places. The fourth metacarpal, the fifth metacarpal, the hamate, and the capitator, two wrist bones. And um, then we had, you know, I think at that same time, Wade, um, Wade Brookbank went up to the show. So we were a little... You know, Tom likes to have his guys. We had a very skilled team. I mean, Keith Coin's the best player, in my opinion, in the American League of all time. He's an absolute stud. He's a magician. Like, huge stick as long as me. Sauce passing everywhere. He's like, runs a power play better than anybody. And, you know, he gets 100 points a fucking year. He's he's amazing guy, too. So it was real fun, you know, looking after him. But So we call up Joel Reckless. And I got a cast on my hand. My hand's fucked. And so Tom tells me about this kid, and I'm like, hey, I want to come on the road. Um, I'm like, I'm not going to up because they were on a road trip. I said, I'm coming in my navigator. I'm meeting this kid. I go, I don't, I know how it is. Like he's fighting a very tough dude. I'm like, I want to meet him and give him a couple pointers. And he goes, Oh, Gills. He's like, that's amazing, man. Like, I can't believe you do that. And I was like, no, absolutely. Like, you know, I had good guys helping me. So I go meet the wrecker. It was like, we, it was like, we loved each other right away. We were, he's like so thankful. He's always laughing. Just love the fucker. And yeah. so I tell him, and I think he goes after Johnny. Like, Johnny's tough, man. And he goes after Johnny, like, right away, Joe. Like, yeah. it's like, he does well. You know, he doesn't win, but he's fucking warrior. Like, he does well. And so, you know, Joel starts fighting everybody, man. Like, that's if you look at his fight card, I tell everyone this. I'm like, look at Joel Reckless's fight card. He has a better fight card than Yablonski, Meese, Groy. You know, he has a Sugden, he has a better fight card than all these old guys, you know, that are like, you know, considered minor league legends, like tons of names I could throw at you. He's fought everyone. George the Rock, you know, Bashir. I mean, he's he has fought everyone. So he fought um he had a really good fight actually against a very, very tough dude in Jesse Bolleries. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like his defining moment, right? Like where it's like, oh shit, this kid's legit, because Bowler Bowler tries to knock your fucking head off. Yep. And um and then when I come back, Tom liked Tom liked Joel and wanted to keep him. So we got to play together. I mean, me and this guy, we don't really know where the puck is on the ice a lot of the time. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just fucking, it's like multi-ball and pinball. Like when you get millions of points and all the balls come out. I think I already said that once. And you're just fucking murdering people. Like it's so fun. As long as we're in the offensive zone, it was trouble for them. So, um, now I love Joel. So there's another good story about Joel. So Tom's so hardcore, right? He's old school. And, um, we come to the rink, he'd ride with me or whatever. Or I'd ride with him. He'd have the, he, I think he had like this old like, Explorer and had a wild stereo with crackling speakers and play like death metal and shit. And just like, you know, he made me feel like a kid again, right? And I wasn't exactly young at the time. I'd been around a long time. And I think I was 29 years old, 29 or 30. And um, Joel's young, right? 20-year-old rookie. And um, he come, we come in one day and, you know, I, I said, uh, I was like, yeah, let's just grab a coffee and tape our weapons, you know, whatever. And um, he looks for his sticks, and he's like, Jules, I can't find my sticks, bro. But he, he called me Big Meat, and I called him. I, and he's bigger than me in height, but I call him Little Meat. Mm-hmm. So that's he still calls me that. He's like, what's up, Big Meat? You know, so uh, I go, he goes, I can't find my sticks. Like, am I getting sent down? Like, you know, he's a tough guy. You think the worst. Like, you thought he was getting sent down, like the trainer was wrapping him up or whatever. Yeah. I said, kid, don't worry about it, bro. I was like, we'll figure it out. And so we look around, and then there's a note on these fucking old, like, I think they're cohos, like this terrible old wood stick. It's like it's like chopping down a tree. I mean, so heavy, mm-hmm. kind of a flat blade, like straight blade. I mean, Joe, they're fucking horrible, bro. It's like what the guys <laughs> did back in the old days. I mean, yeah. you know, what they have a collection of them. They're yeah. awful. And I so, love them, though. I love them. Well, I love them, too, bro. I yeah. collect them. I mean, I got a couple in my, in my office right here, but... Yep. At this time in hockey, like right. no one had them, like, right. no one. So um, it says a note. It says, "Wrecker, you must use these from now on." Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and so Wrecker, like Wrecker, used wood sticks almost right up till the end, man. Yeah. And um, that, I thought that was just a funny story, you know, because no one really hears that shit. But hey, there was you want to play here? This is what you're using, right? Um, you know, I know he, he used them with the Islanders. He used wood sticks with the Islanders. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same mm-hmm. ones, bro. Same yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. So that's where that started. Well, Joel's done real well. Um, after hockey, he got into real estate. He wasn't really a huge fan of those kind of people. He was doing a ton of, um, you know, whatever home showings and stuff yeah. like that, and you know, open house on all weekend and making these guys a bunch of money, and they're not juicing them up, giving them a percentage or a piece, and um. Joel always told me from the time I met him, he's like, Gills, man, he like loved it, dude. He loved it. And, um, and I loved it too. So it was like, just great to have a kid like reminding me of, I was a kid again. He like made me hungry. And if I wasn't, if I didn't get to the guy first, like I had no shot to fight because he was going after him, you know? So I just, I'd appreciate that. You know, he knew what it was going to take and, and, um, you know, knew he had to take on all comers and, and try every night to, you know, make his mark. And he did and, and did fucking awesome. And um, he got tired of that real estate shit. So he always told me back then at 20 years old, he's like, Gills, if I didn't play hockey, he's like, uh, I wanted to be a SF guy. So he wanted to be special forces. Mm-hmm. So he calls me. Uh, this is years ago now. And he says, hey, Gills. And he's explaining to me, you know, I was still playing. He actually came down at the end of my career to stay with me. Um, when I was in Charleston, we had a hell of a time together, but, um, so he's a real good friend. We don't talk as much and I'll explain why in a minute, but, um, record record says to me at, at this moment, after he's done playing, he said, I'm done with this real estate shit. He's like, I'm going to be a, remember I told you I wanted to be an SF guy. He's like, I'm going to go be an SF guy. I said, well, fuck. I'm like, he was like 31, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? I said, uh, I said, you, you know, record, like you sure, bro? 
And I go, what, what, you know, what branch? And he says, I'm not sure yet. Like he was going to jump out of airplane paratrooper. um, And then he ended up settling on being an army ranger. So, you know, he's the one guy like Joel Reckless is so disciplined, dude. He would eat sardines for lunch, you know, Um, you know, he'd eat like very specific times and small amounts. And he had a push up checklist. He'd rip out like 500 push-ups a day and shit. You know, he'd go for runs at night, you know, before practice the next day, like long runs, and he's got the biggest feet. Like, he's a very disciplined athlete. Yeah. Um, so when he told me he was going to become an SF guy, most people would have been like, yeah, you got no shot. You're fucking huge. These guys are smaller, shredded, fast dudes. And, and um, you know, you're old. You know, they, <laughs> they tell you that. You're fucking old. Yeah. Old balls. But, um. You know, fucking sure enough, Joel Reckless is a goddamn Army Ranger, and I couldn't be more proud of him. I, I love the military. He's legit. I don't know where he is right now, but, hey, man, Joel, you're a fucking warrior dude, and uh, what a what a great friend. Um, truly a brother, and, man, to, to become an Army Ranger and finish, like, first or second in every single category, like the the run with the rock and, you know, the, the heavy rucksack, and just, I mean, he's just awesome, dude. Um, you need to get Joel on here someday. He's a phenomenal dude. He's hilarious. We wanted to come out with a podcast, but he now I think he's away. We were going to call it Trainwreck. <laughs> because That's the, great. That's the he's combo. The and I, I'm, he's the wrecker and I'm the guilt train. Yeah. So you never know. Someday, uh, you know, keep coming back safe, brother, and um, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do the train wreck for all the fucking wild fans out there. And this guy is hilarious. Like his laugh alone. I'm not really that funny at all. I'm just intense and do my own thing, whatever. But Joel's laugh is fucking hysterical. Like, he would have me and he just, like, loves life. Like, just such a nice human. Like, amazing with my wife and kids. And we just love Joel Reckless. I got uh, I got someone working on uh, reaching out to Joel for me, but like you say, being in the uh, well, military, I mean, he's, in the, he's in the he's in the shit, right? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, you know, but I can make it. I, you know, I, Joel don't really talk about this kind of stuff, but uh, you know, I'm sure I could twist his arm. He knows you, um, you know, and he he truly did love it, man. But he's yeah. like, so he's type A, bro, man. He's chasing the carrot in a whole nother animal, and yep. and um and doing doing phenomenal and um. Man, fuck! What a what a fucking guy! What a teammate! Like, uh, I love that fucker. Yeah, he's doing something way more important than talking to my dumbass. But if he's ever uh, if he's ever back in the area, I definitely would love to have him on. Absolutely, he yeah. actually did like his all his stuff down here at the the base and in, in um, not in Augusta, but like the big base in Georgia. So I never got to see him. You know, he's kind of off the grid. You're not allowed to have cell phones and shit like that. But uh, yeah. dude, like, how cool is that? You know fucking 20 year old rookie playing in the nhl like faster than anyone he got there young Mm -hmm. and then like playing a long time making good money he's a phenomenal teammate the phenomenal locker room guy great with the fans and then all of a sudden get in the real world and realize it's not for him and then just say fuck it i'm like i made the nhl i'm gonna become an army ranger you know how hard those two things are to become like crazy two of the hardest to do on earth yep like um, you know, making the big leagues and, and being a fucking one of the top SF guys, you know, it's like a seals and shit. They're bad motherfuckers. So, you know, um, I love the military and, and obviously I love me some Joel reckless. So thank to all the military listening for your service and sacrifices. It's, uh, I have a lot of, a lot of us friends and I'm honored to call many of you brothers and friends. 
uh, just uh, just forget about all the other stuff that what he's doing entails, like the whole jumping out of airplanes thing. Like my dad did that in Vietnam, and my uh, balls would go up into my throat. I'd be yeah, terrified. Like my I'm dad, not scared of much, but fuck, that's wild. You know, you know, my dad's not one that really talks a lot about it, but like when when I was younger, he was telling me because he got he actually got wounded when he was jumping out of a plane, and I'm just like, I that, to me that just takes balls. I'll never understand the type Hell of balls yeah, it takes it to do that. <laughs> You know, yeah, it does. Oh my God! Um, two guys you fought that year, your first year with the Albany. Uh, one guy uh, Islander fans are familiar with, and it was your first time that you fought him was Matt Karkner with uh, Binghamton. Do you remember fighting him for the first time? Hell yeah, I remember fighting him. So, um, <laughs> so Big Karks is a big, strong lad, and um, in the OHL he played for the Peterborough Peets, which is our rival, and I was for he was younger than me. And um, by a year, I think, a year or two. One year, I think. I think he's an 80. You have to check. Mm. But uh, I was with Oshawa, but we're both defensive defensemen. We weren't lugging. We, as, I, as I always would say to Mark Streit, who was our captain with the Isles, mm. I'd always say, it's pretty to watch when you're lugging the mail, old two, or, or straighter. Pretty to watch when you're lugging the mail. Like he, We weren't guys carrying the biscuit up the ice as D-men. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like We're simple, simple, good first pass, D-to-D, play tough. So we never met up in junior. Well, in pro, we have that fight, and it kind of just happens, and we're lined up, and but we're in kind of close range. He hits me with a fucking jab, and I, I'm telling you, it felt like a brick hit me in the forehead. It was directly in the forehead. His hand covered my whole forehead, and I don't have a little pumpkin. I got a big pumpkin, and he cut me in the fight. He cut me with that one shot, so I get fucking pissed, you know, and when your adrenaline's going, it's like your blood's leaking pretty good. Well, I come back and make it a war, but I was like, I was like, damn, like it was a jab and it was a fucking great jab. I mean, he must've taken some boxing, but, um, no, man. I mean, I definitely, I got a little scar here in the middle of my forehead from it. So, uh, definitely a reminder. No big, big, tough guy. A lot of respect for him. Heard he's a phenomenal teammate. Um, obviously came in with the aisles after, but, um, he played with one of my, one of my, obviously, you know, my very best friends in Yablonski and has a lot of great things to say about him. I, you know, I always loved the way he played in the American league. Wish I wish he, wish we would have had a D man like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's old school, man. You know, fucking make you pay in front of the net. Big, he's strong. He's, he's very strong. So, yeah. We were lucky here when when he was here. We had him and uh, him on defense, and Bolton was at forward back. You know, obviously Bolton at the end of his career, but yeah, he still was, played uh, balls out. It was no, uh, absolutely it was fun Bolton, combo. Bolton, oh, absolutely. They're both they're both nail guns, man. They're yeah. both fucking very very tough. Um, you know, Bolts. Look at his career, dude. He did it. He did it at the NHL level. Was fucking longer than anybody. I mean, it's like. I think him and Thority, dude, out of our era, like they had probably the longest careers in the National League, you know, from the guys our age, like around my age or just a couple years older. I mean, just like long, like many years, yep. you know, um, in order to carve out a career that long at the high levels, um, you know, you got to love it and you got to be real tough because it's uh, it's not an easy job. Uh, it's, the hard, it's the hardest job in pro sports. So, you know, huge respect for both of them. I never fought Bolts, but uh, mm-hmm. fought Karks a couple times. And they came in the year I, I decided to go to Russia. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, um, another guy that I want to ask you about 
is uh, someone you've been on their show already, and it's someone who's pretty much uh, world-renowned at this point based on the podcast, and that's uh, Paul Bissonette. You fought him uh, twice that year. He was with Wilkes-Barre. Um, I think people know him now more for the podcast. I, I almost think maybe it takes a little bit away from just how tough he was. I think people just look at him now as a personality as opposed to being a, a pretty tough guy back in the day. Yeah, uh, Biz Nasty, young Biz Nasty was hungry as well, right? Just like everyone else we're talking about, that you, you have to be or you're not going to get established and, and stay around. So it's just the way it was, man. There's other guys, young guys coming in every year that are getting drafted. You got us old guys that are hungry to make more money and stay and, and um, you know, try to try to get to the upper echelon so you can actually make some money and have a life and, um, you know, get to the NHL ultimately. But, um, no, I had some – sorry, Mrs. Gills was giving me a kiss. Love you. Oh. Night, night, baby. Good night, um, Mrs. Gills. Good night, Mrs. Gills, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, but yeah, he's hungry, always polite. Um, had some, you know, I think I got the better in, mo- in pretty much all of them. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, a tough, tough dude, long. Um, one of my fights against him, which is in in Albany, I I had my worst concussion of my life. So it's December twentieth. I can't remember the year, but you'd have to. You, this the, you can watch the clip. It was the next season because that's one of my questions. Yeah, and so we get we get going, and he's not really landing anything, but I'm landing a couple, mm-hmm. and and Biz Nasty was really known for the he, he has pretty long arms and for his jersey jab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he used the jersey jab very effectively, and so I didn't have a front tie down at the time. Obviously, that changed after this fight, which ended up being awesome because i wore a front tie down the rest of my career but um we you know buckets off in the hl because of the visors right i had a buddy who we never talked about who i absolutely love jordan smith who lost his eye in portland we could talk about that later but um you know he's doing the jersey jabs and and my shirt is kind of getting up in my face well we you know we end up having a decent fight it's nothing crazy it's not it's not a highlight fight um you know and then we lose our balance, and instead of me, him being on one side or the other where I can tuck my chin and land on my shoulder pads or whatever, right, he's taller than me, so my legs flip out, and we go in the air, and then it's just like I have nowhere to go. So my bare head smashes off the ice, and oh, I'm fuck. fucking toast. Mm-hmm. Like So you can see me in it, and you can see the back of my head. I get to get some staples. You can see the cut in the video. You'll see me try to come up like doing a sit-up. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like a computer virus. You can see it. It's hilarious to watch. <laughs> I have to go back and look for it. It's hilarious to watch, Joe. So you see me kind of like fight to like get, come up once, and then you see that cut, and then my head goes back down. And you see me try to fight again to get up, but like I'm, you know, I was I was fucked, mm. and so you know my legs are noodles. This is what people will realize that I like loved it and that I'm real, is that I like. You know, I know I'm hurt, obviously, right? Like, I have no legs, Joe. And I got my teammates on both arms, and I'm going off. And it wasn't from a punch. And, and you can see in the video, Biz Nasty is truly worried. Like, yeah. you know, he has a heart. Like, he, I gave him some good shots, you know, when he was young. And, and unfor- you know, fortunately, like, uh, we had to take the lid. You know, I like taking the lid off. But mm-hmm. if I would have had the lid on, like, in the NHL where you don't have a visor on, that never happens, right? right. I'm totally fine. So... You know, that one, I tried to come back. It was mismanaged, and I uh, tried to come back way too many times, probably not being honest enough with my symptoms, to be honest, warrior mentality. And, you know, that one I ca- almost cost me my career, which we'll get into in a bit. But yeah. um, it was uh, it was a very tough time. 
Um, that was a that was a wild concussion. Like I'd be watching a fucking movie or a show with my wife in Albany, and I couldn't go to the rink because the lights affected me very bad. My one right eye would be just jacked up, oh. and um, we'd be watching a movie, and I'd go to my wife, Mrs. Gill, stone sober. Obviously, you have a concussion; you're not doing none of that. And so I'd be like, ba- "Baby, are the are the people going what 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 what?" And I'd be like showing her that they're moving, and she goes. She goes, nah, baby, but, you know, she's like, don't worry, you'll be all right, you know, it'll take some time, like, she's just yeah. the fucking best, dude, there's so many things, like, I couldn't, couldn't get it going with her, because yeah. I couldn't get my heart rate elevated, like, um, so yeah, man, I missed 50, I think I, that happened at the 30th game mark, mm-hmm. I think I only played 30 that year, and then I missed the rest, so 50, I guess, and, um, I think it was 80 at that time, and not 82, like the NHL, but, um, yeah, man, just try to come back too many times and, um, it's probably too early getting bagged. You know, that's how it was back then. It wasn't like you know, a, pro- a progression build up in skates. Like now that you'll go out, do something light, get off the next day, build up a little bit. Like it's a lot more advanced now. Yeah. Back then it was like, Hey, you know, like get through practice and then we'll bag you and see how you are. So it's probably the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then you set yourself back farther and, you know, you puke it on the side of the bench, that kind of shit. And so, um, you know, I got healthy enough where no one wants a tough guy with a bad head, right? right. So, you know, I get healthy enough where I think I'm going to come back and Carolina, um, Carolina at the time, I was the last cut there two years in a row. They had Laviolette as the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't him, but Carolina wouldn't clear me to come back. So going into the summer as a tough guy that still has a concussion um, that's not clear, that didn't finish the year healthy, it really, really hurts your stock. Really hurts your stock. So it went from making 115, you know, two-way last cut to, like, now I can't get an NHL. Now I can't can't get an NHL two-way. I can't get an NHL one-way. Like, and I have to go earn a fucking contract. So, um I go. And I will get into that in a bit. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but yep. I sit down in front of this neurologist, and she's actually pretty hot, Joe. <laughs> for the guy <laughs> listening, um, and you know, I do all this pen to paper test, and anyone who's had a concussion and you're an athlete, you know about it. It's a pain in the damn ass, but you know, they give you a baseline, and and you have to at least match that, or you know, you sh- you show deficiencies in different things, like just for example, memory. Um, I never ever had a problem with reaction. It would always be sometimes better, but like memory stuff was horrible on it. Um, so it's 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 you know, it's based on like in the whole nation and stuff like that. They give you like a percentage. It's, it was actually pretty funny. I, I won't say it, but it was, uh, it was pretty bad in a few categories. So obviously it was still a little dinged up. So that's probably why they didn't clear me, but felt great. I was working yeah. out hard skating, but never got to come back. So, um, this lady, this is, this is where it all changes for me, Joe. So, you know, I, I was an animal at that point, but this is where, when you realize that your probably career is almost was over, it kind of puts you into fucking like 700 to a thousand horsepower instead of cruising, like, you know, doing well at four or 500. Um, so I'm sitting across from this lady. I can't remember her name and, um, uh, doesn't matter. I don't want to give her any credit, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So I'm mean, totally ruthless about it. So she looks me at, looks at me and is presenting to me my case, whatever, doing her bit, I call it. And she literally tells me, she goes, I'll never clear you. She said, 
And I said, and then she goes to me, she goes, I don't think you should ever play another professional hockey game. I don't think you should ever be hit, hit anyone or take a punch the rest of your life, she told me. And I said, and she did her little thing. I let her finish, right? The next person who speaks loses. You know how it is. It's just like sales. And I look her dead in her eyes, Joe. And I said, well, ma'am, because that's how we do it down here in the South. Mm-hmm. I didn't even say her name. I said, well, ma- I said, well, doc, ma'am. I said, I can promise you that I'm going to get better. It might take a little time. And once I'm better, I'm going to train harder than ever. I'm going to play hockey. I'm going to hit more than ever. And if guys will go, I'm going to fight as much as ever. Because there's no way I could have fought as much as I used to because the game had changed. And I said, and I looked her dead in her eye, Joe, and I said, and I am going to play in the NHL. I said, there's thousands of other top neurologists in America, and one of them will clear me, and I am going to come back. So that that just lets you know my mentality of Joel Recklish has this on his arm. It says NFQ, and my dad taught me this a long time ago. It means and I'm going to swear, so I'm sorry if there's kids listening. <laughs> it means never fucking quit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went home, did not feel good for a while because I was obviously trying to push the envelope, as they say, push the pace and um, to get back probably when I wasn't 100, right? Yeah. Um, so took a little time after the season and, and was starting to work. I don't take much time, a couple of days, um, you know, half a week, whatever, max, and then get back into it. Um, at the gym, not get not fighting, but just like yeah. working out, and um, you know, and I'm starting to have some issues, so I got to back off a little bit. So I totally back off, which is probably the only time in my life I ever did it, because I realized, you know, well, this this could be serious. Like shit, I'm not getting better. It's been months. Um, and then finally, man, it was like you know, you, you listen to some of these guys if they're if they're honest and talk about this stuff, like I am. It's like pe- guys explain it like you constant got clouds in a fog. You're in a fog. And then all of a sudden it was like they just the clouds went away and the fog was gone, bro. Like and and then everything was normal. So I think that happened on June fourth. So then I went into just absolute fucking animal mode. No drinking, eating perfect, training three times a day, skating, doing fight training every morning. I was in the best damn shape of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh and then I couldn't get a deal. So we went to Rochester and I had to go earn a deal. So went there, had a great camp, fought a couple guys, beat the bag off of this big dude. Um, what the hell is his name? Probably got it in your list. Yeah, I got it. But we're, we got ahead, though. We still have to cover yeah, the season. Yeah, yeah. So this is just kind of a wild story. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, all right. So the, the guys. I, up, I made the NHL six months later. We'll talk about that in a bit. All right. So uh, going back, the. Uh, there was a line brawl against Albany when you were uh, – no, against Philly when you were with Albany. Oh, uh, it was in the playoffs. Yeah, this poor guy, Frederick Cabana, how did how did he end up drawing the short straw and getting grabbed by you? Um, man. That's... Was it just proximity? He just happened to no, be the closest guy? No, it was a long time ago, you know, and then, yep. then when things get wild, um, mm-hmm. I think Tristan Grant was around there. I was trying to get at him or someone else and then yeah. got intercepted, right? It's like one of those like pileups, right? Yeah. It's like 50, mm-hmm. 52 card pickup. Yeah. And it's just like wildness, but we had a pretty tough lineup out there, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it was like me, Convoy, a couple of guys, but um, you know, it's old school, man. Shit, yep. shit like that has to happen. And, and um, you know, we took him to game seven. Unfortunately we lost. Yeah. If it wasn't for our goalie, 
they had a good team. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for our goalie, Mike Layton, I mean, in one of the games in that, that playoff, there was five overtimes, Joe. I had my skates untied for three overtimes. <laughs> That's how bad my feet hurt, oh. Joe. That's eight fucking periods of hockey. I think after so, that, the Flyers ended up trading for Leighton. Well, they should. Yeah, he had I think over they did. 100 shots. I yeah. mean, he, the, it, the shot clock clicked back over to zero. The fans went nuts. That's I mean, bananas. Bro, I mean, it was insane. Like, I think I played a shift in the first overtime. Obviously, fourth line guy. Mm-hmm. I played a couple shifts in the second. And then, man, there's too much on the line, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we lose, you know. <laughs> which we ended up losing, which I think it was game five. You'd have to go back and look. But, man, to save that many pucks, like, he was a stud. Yeah. Um, that was the coolest. That was one of the coolest things I've been a part of, even though I didn't play for the last, you know, third overtime, fourth overtime, <laughs> fifth overtime. Yeah. Like, me and the other guys who were, weren't playing on the fourth line, it was, like, this Harrison Reed kid. and um, I can't remember who it was. And you'd have to look at the lineup. But, you know, we were, like, going around, like, we felt bad for the guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, we want to win so fucking bad, Joe. You know, like, we're just doing anything we can. Like, guys are, like, laid out, dude, so tired in their stall. Like, just trying to get a little bit of a fucking some win so we can go back out and, you know, heart through it and, and win the fucking game. But, um, you know, like, we're passing out power gels and protein bars and, like, getting waters and, like, whatever the fuck we can do, you know? Like, we're right. just trying. It's like a family, right? So. Yeah. Just because we're not going, I mean, it was insane. Like, it got to the point where the hockey was so fucking bad. Yeah. Because you couldn't, they were, guys were so tired, right? Like, they sat their fourth line, we're sitting, so it's like, they're running fucking nine forwards, and they played literally almost three games in a row, and it fucking playoffs where it's so intense. Like, it was like the guy would skate up the ice, he'd get hit, turnover the other team would skate right down the ice like old school line rushes i try to have a big you know a great center lane drive go to the go to the fucking paint stick down like crash in the cage and just trying to shoot from the angle and hoping to get a lucky one right like it was that fucking bad it's like not like today where it was like tons of plays and i mean it just got to the point where guys were just like absolutely roasted um and unfortunately we lost and and that that cost us um we win that game we win that series you know, I truly believe that. And, but Mike Layton, that was the fucking performance of my career that I've ever seen a goalie do. It was insane, and I played fucking forever. That's crazy. Um, the next year, you went to Camp of Carolina, and I know that for sure because I know that you had at least two fights in the preseason. Yeah, uh, fun. Riley Cote, and then the marathon fight with the guy that you mentioned earlier, Josh Gratton with Nashville. Yeah. So you yeah, remember my those second- fights? Second time fighting Gratz. The first yeah. time was a fucking black, a war. Yeah, uh, that's when I put him to the knee and he popped up. I was like in my head, I'm like this kid's fucking nails, and he was like grunting and yeah. had a pretty hard punch. Loved to go with the overhand right. Not a lot of uppercuts, but uh, had a heavy punch and tough as nails. Um, so yeah, we had a good one. Um, was happy that he wanted to go, and I believe that one was in Nashville. Correct? Yep. In Nash. Um, by the penalty box, I believe, mm-hmm. kind of a center ice, um, trying to clear the cobwebs here. The other one with Riley was kind of cool just because, um, you know, he'd been in the league and, you know, long hair, loved it, loved him, um, loved him as a guy, uh, yeah. you know, not, not him, but just like fucking like, damn, I like that dude. You know, you can just tell, yeah. and, um, lefty, you know, looked the part and, 
um, could move and bang bodies and just did it right. So, um, you know, he, we went, and that was the last game, I believe, at the, um, the old arena. Okay, okay. You know, last NHL yep. was a preseason mm-hmm. game. And if you watch the video, they're actually honoring that legend, Brown. Remember Brown? What's his? He's like one of the toughest of all time. Big lefty. Dave Brown? Dave Brown. If you watch the video, oh, yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. interviewing they're, Dave Brown's in the clip. So that's why I love it even more. Because, yeah. I mean, I love that. Fun guy. Um, and so they're, like, honoring Dave Brown at the time. And then the, goes to the fight type deal. Something like that. You have to look it up. But Dave Brown's yeah. definitely in the clip. Um, and, yeah, we had a good one. You know, a guy kind of got pinned against the boards a bit and fought through it. And, you know, we had a good battle. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I had a good camp, man. It was heartbreaking to get cut again, last cut. But, uh, you know, they gave me a good opportunity and, um, you know, to, to play quite a bit of preseason games over the two years there. And, um, you know, I came to camp every year getting better and uh, working at that skating camp and in great shape and, you know, go down and be a leader for the young guys and, and look after them. And, um, you know, I two great years there. Like, no, like definitely loved my time playing for Tom and, and in Albany and, um, you know, the organization treated me well besides, you know, obviously they had to protect, uh, protect themselves there obviously with a bad head injury. Cause it, I mean, it was, it was a bad one, Joe. So, uh, you know, you don't, <laughs> a guy like me doesn't miss 50 games unless something's really bad, really wrong. So, um, you know, just very fortunate, um, and have huge gratitude to whatever people believe in, but I believe in the big guy for, for actually healing and, um, you know, and then being able to do it for a long time after. So, um. You know, when someone tells you you're done and kind of kicks you into high gear and, um, you know, changed my life playing for that organization because I went from making okay money to, all right, well, now we're doing something. So, uh, you know, then I could get married and and buy a house. You know, when you're making the lower money, people think, oh, all these guys are making a lot of money. They're not. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a grind, baby. But uh loved every minute of it um wouldn't change it for the world but um you know to to make that kind of money and then buy my first home and then i still own and um don't live in it but um you know it was it was great and a lot of great guys i played with there so um because you're such a great interview we've actually touched on basically everyone i was going to ask you about this year except for one guy um, you had a two-game series with uh, Norfolk where you fought Brett Henley three times. You remember those uh, that little series with Henley? Yeah, yeah. They were nothing really to write home about. Um, they're not like you know, they're not ones I would point someone to to watch right. uh, of, of me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, but he's big, big boy. Um, believe he was left-handed. One of the cool things, though, is we're in a fight by the bench, and it's one of those. I can't remember which one, but we're we're by – and I did a lot of that training, I told you, the MMA, and I'm a lefty. So, obviously, on that side, the right side of his body is where the liver is on an angle. If you if you watch Wolverine, it would be like jabbing Wolverine claws on an angle. Mm-hmm. And if you if you land a punch there, it's de- – it, you know, even with pads, like most of the guys that fought had a girdle on, not like mm-hmm. the big pants. Yep. Or they it's open, so it's it's an open shot there. And if you hit it well enough, like if you, if anyone knows fighting really well, yeah. watch Steve, watch the Steve McIntyre versus uh, Brashear fight. He hits him with a liver punch. It it crumbles. Yep. Brashear, who's one of the toughest, um, you know, it's very devastating. I'd rather someone break my nose than hit me with a liver punch that hard. Yep. So, 
in the fight, I hit him with a liver shot and he drops. It's one of the first times when it worked where I was like, I kind of wish he didn't drop like that because I was I was coming on. But, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I was chirping a little bit about it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I was, you know, I was big guy, strong guy. Met him at the union meetings. Good dude. Um, you know, we're all just, we're all just trying to put the crest on the front before the name on the back and do the job. Right. Um, I got respect for all of them that are willing to do it, whether they're skilled or not, or tough guys. And it's, uh, it's a very selfless, uh, selfless job. And by the way, as far as memories go, you were spot on. You played 30 games that year. You were also spot on with the date of the Bissonette fight, which was December 20th, because now I'm up to that part of my notes. Not here. bad, huh? Not bad. That's not bad at all. So uh, you already went into great detail about the injury and about the uh, run-in with uh, the doctor. So yeah, you, you like that one? That was fantastic. That was fantastic. So now not, it brings not us... many people know that. No, and the great thing is now I, I've gotten so much great feedback so far from the first two uh, first two episodes here, and the one thing everyone's clamoring for, obviously, uh, for Islander perspective, and we're gonna we're about to break into that. So you had mentioned coming back and going to camp at Rochester. Uh, the two guys that you fought with Syracuse was Kevin Harvey, Kevin Harvey, and, and uh, Lubar Usternol. Right? Yeah, that popped, um, popped in my brain. Now, Libor is the big dude you were talking about, right? Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's big. Mm-hmm. I so, forget exactly what happened, but it was preseason and probably banged into each other. I was running around like I always do. And, um, you know, I told you, you got to get hits. So, you yeah. know, like I was scoring goals. So, go to wear the other team down, do whatever you can to help the, help the group, right? Be a piece of the puzzle. Uh, ultimately, if you have all the pieces, you're going to be a winning team and, and um, hopefully have a shot to, to win some. So um, hit him, and uh, it was go time. But uh, I, I I did very well in that fight. I was in, like I told you, I was in phenomenal shape. He was strong, but I just, I wasn't in for the, I started right off the rip just chucking and never let off the gas. Um, yeah. stayed, stayed, you know, full throttle. So cut him very bad. He, there was a lot of blood. I remember that. Um, so that was a good showing, you know, he's a much bigger guy than me. Um, didn't know him to be honest, but yeah. I remember when we grabbed each other, I'm like, Oh damn, this is a big, strong fucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, right away when that happened, I think he kind of pushed me against the boards and I was like, Oh fuck, this guy's strong. So then, you know, when it's go time, I was like, well, you know, Obviously, a lot of the big boys, they throw very heavy and they're kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ones that aren't are the ones that end up being very dangerous and probably playing the NHL. But uh, big, heavy shots. But, uh, you know, I just beat him with speed, speed and power. Just stayed on the gas. That's that's how that one went. So what happened with uh, with Rochester? Was it uh, a veteran thing or something? Oh, this is no, no. This is epic. So people don't know this. So okay. this is literally how it all happens with the Islanders. So obviously, I told you there was teams. <coughs> excuse me. There was teams interested, right? Uh-huh. Um, to sign me, but I'm not healthy. Like no one wants a fucking heavyweight with a bad head. I don't give a fuck. Like what you did before, it doesn't matter. Like you have to fight. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I had to go earn that deal. So I proved I was healthy. And um, their president or whatever, I don't know his exact title, I have a huge respect for him. I actually played with his son in Albany who ended up losing his career to a concussion, kind of a cheap hit, um, is Teddy Nolan. Okay. So, you know, I played with the, 
the Nolan that wasn't in the NHL, but is very talented, good hockey player, tough too. And um, Teddy Nolan, I love Teddy. He's a good guy. Like gave me a shot to come in, but um, you know, I don't know if it was him or Florida or whoever. They, I have a family, so they offered me a solid deal considering I know I missed almost the whole year and was hurt. So it was nowhere near what I was making at 115, but you know, offered me 85 grand, Mm -hmm. but it was on a PTO Joe. So for people who don't know what that is, I'll break it down for them. It's, it's called a professional tryout, right? So, you know, obviously I had a great preseason, great camp, was in great shape, make the team. If I sign that and I have one bad weekend, First of all, you're living in a hotel. You don't have a permanent residence. So then your kids can't come and go to school. And I'm a family guy. So that was not did not make me happy because I earned a one way, in my opinion. Um, and it didn't happen for me. So we are literally in the first, the first game, Joe, regular season. And we're about to go out for pregame skate. It's about 15 minutes max before we're supposed to be hitting the ice running you know first game everyone's excited room is bouncing pretty good like this is our team um i have one of those old phones probably back in the day like flip phone whatever razor and i'm trying to get a hold of my agent because he told me don't sign that yet he's like you proved you're healthy i'm getting calls from these teams that were interested well it turned out one of them was phoenix i forget the other other team and one was the isles and uh, my agent had a, had a really good relationship with the Isles over the years, as you know, and uh, also with Garth. And so they call the Isles. They call the Isles, and it's not an NHL deal, but they offer me less money, seventy five, but it's an AHL one way, which, as you know, is guaranteed money. Yep. And then I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna be able to get a place, and then I, my family, when my son's done his, because he was a stud football baseball player, when he was done football, they'd always come join me every year. Right. And so, it was an easy decision: take less money, go to it, go to a team that I, I, you know, doing some research. Right. I had to like literally, I get on the phone with him, and he says, "I said, so am I going to sign this or what? Like we're on the ice in 15 minutes." Peter goes, "No." He goes, "I already got you a deal," and I said. Well, you didn't ask me about it. He said, well, it's too late. He's like, I've already committed to the deal, and my word is my bond. Um, you know, and you told me if, if, if I could get you a one-way to pull the trigger. So I was like, yep, I did say that. I said, well, who am I going to, big man? And, um, you know, I love, I love Pistol Pete. You know, he's a wild man. So uh, I go to Coon Dogs. I said, uh, so where am I going? He goes, uh, you just got, I just got you 75 to go play in Bridgeport for the Islanders farm team. I said, hell yeah. I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? I go, we're on the ice. He goes, go in, shake all your teammates' hands. He goes, tell them thank you, but tell, explain it. They're going to ask you. Uh, they're expecting you to be their guy. And then got the old guys pulled me out of the room, uh, who I actually, Graham Mank, great dude. We were at his wedding. My wife's really good friends with Christina, his wife. And they had Fitzpatrick and York and guys like that there, like some old legends. And they were pissed, man. They wanted yeah. me so I said, sorry guys, best for my family. And they were, they were bitter that they tried to just throw me a PTO. I would have loved to have played for Teddy Nolan, Yeah, you know what I mean? But I, you got to do what's best for your family. So literally shake all their hands, go see the coach quick, tell them what happened and, uh, hop in my old beast, my 66 Bel Air, go back to the hotel, pack up my shit, take my, take my sticks wrapped up with tape and my gear and. And head down the road to Bridgeport, baby. And then when I get there, 
Um, I go right to the rink. The boys are playing. Um, I don't play, obviously, because I've been driving all day, and I don't know their systems, don't know anyone. So Cappy calls me in, who I absolutely fucking love. So Jack calls me in his office. I just get there. I'm shaking a couple guys' hands in on the way. You know how it goes. Like, Mm -hmm. there's there's guys that always are, you know, eager to greet guys and welcome to the family type deal. And then I get told i got to go see Jack. So I go in and talk with Jack. And Jack says, how was the drive, big guy? He's like, I'm so pumped to have you on this side instead of you on the other side. And just a phenomenal meeting. He said, "Uh, you know, tonight I just want you to watch and um, see how we play. And and just enjoy the game and, and kind of rest up. He's like, you'll be going soon. So, yeah, that was kind of my, my intro, my man. And, um, and, and then I became, you know, part of the Islander family. That has been, people have been asking me, when are you going to get to the Islander stuff? When are you going to get to the Islander stuff? And I said, in time, in time, it's, it's just, we got to get to the lead up part of the story. We can talk, talk about the Islander stuff for, for long. Well, that's it. That's what I told him. I said, once we start with the Islander stuff, you know, we're going to be getting at it for a while. So, um, we'll start. And then with... I still played a million years after that. I know, so we, I know. We be chatting a lot. I love it. So we're going to, I want to talk about some of your teammates in Bridgeport before we get into any specific details. So I guess we'll just play name association. Uh, we already talked about Wrecker when you played with him in Albany. Uh, um, let's start with some of the other guys uh, like Michael Haley. Mike Haley, very, very tough, very good hockey player. Um, very good. Ho- he's a very good hockey player. You don't stick around in today's game unless you can play. So if people go back and actually do their research instead of the keyboard warriors writing bullshit, like uh, <laughs> why is that guy in the lineup or or the guy that I love on the Islanders, Johnson, I wish I yeah. could have played with him. I love his style. Um, yeah. You know, they make all these stupid-ass comments because they're uneducated um, about the topics and just, yeah. like, shut the hell up. But um, Don't even get me started on those answers. Yeah, don't even get me started either. <laughs> um no Hales is great um you know I enjoy playing with Hales he's a warrior um Hales had one this one awesome move that it was kind of I never really seen many other people do and I've been fighting my whole life and and watched it he had a really awesome under underhand cross grab move and it kind of took away the guy's arms and uh it was very very effective for him at the at the HL level he was burying guys dude and banging bodies and scoring points and um you know just what a career he's had and um you know I'm sure we'll get into his first game but it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's fucking epic i mean it's a legendary fucking first game mm-hmm. uh, you know i wish my first game went like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going we're definitely going to talk a little bit about that game yeah um, Another guy, uh, Brett Westgarth. Yeah, Westy, Westy. I used to, I fought his brother, um, um, who's much bigger, but I liked Westy, man. Real, real smart cat. Um, very intelligent, um, played tough, would fight. Um, great teammate. Uh, I liked Westy, Westy, Westy's, Westy's a good dude. Uh, Pascal Morenci. Oh shit. We could be here a while. Uh, (laughs) Go for it. I love that guy. Honestly, Pascal Morenci. I still talk to Pascal. He's helping a lot of people. Yes. Um, very motivational speaker, helps kids, coaches, teaches. Um, you know, just, just a, an amazing human. Um, one of the best teammates I ever had in my whole life. Like junior, minor hockey, minor league, every level. I mean, this guy fucking like got me going. He's like Yablonski. Like he was like, 
he was like pouring gas on already a fucking flaming fire that turned it into a raging forest fire bonfire. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. me and him were made to play together and mm-hmm. become brothers. So, you know, you know, Hales obviously played on a higher line than us. And, um, you know, we were four flying, baby. But I mean, I could tell so many stories like he'd be holding mitts for me. You know, getting ready for guys, I'd hold for him, like, you know, with boxing gloves and, and with people who don't know, breaking it down, that's like focused hand pads. Yep. And, um, you know, we had a cool gym there, like what people don't realize, right? Like Bridgeport's kind of a dumpy town, um, but in a beautiful arena. Yes. And also the guys would live in Milford, right? It's awesome there, like great fishing, a couple cool little places to eat. Uh, my boy Mac, it's like, um, it's called Max Canteen. They used to have a sandwich where it was like a gilly sandwich almost pretty much. It was like bacon or sausage with cheese and egg on this the best piece of bread heaven you ever put in your mouth, like a, a like some kind of a roll. And it would have like a topper on it, which was like so all the boys would go there and get breakfast and a coffee and head to the rink. They had a they had a steam room in the in this uh in this locker room, amazing cold tubs, hot tub, a gym that was like um you know, like you couldn't hear it's soundproof. Mm -hmm. So we'd be rocking the tunes in there, but we, you know, we weren't disrupting the trainer. Um, great setup, man. Like just loved playing in that barn. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the fans who are there night in and night out are incredible people and incredible fans and actually got pretty loud. It's just, you know, they don't fill it. Uh, they might now, but they just, you just don't get the crowds, but the ones who are there are, are awesome, passionate. I love playing there. Um, Love my time there, and uh, so many guys we could talk about. It was it was a couple fun years. Uh, another guy, Jeremy Reach. Reacher's a warrior, dude. Um, you know, undersized guy, played in the NHL a lot, or probably I think around 100 games, fought a bunch, could could really play. Love Reacher as a teammate, and um, just a great dude. I'm glad I got to play with him. Uh, another guy who I know is going to put a smile on your face, Matt Martin. Oh, fuck. That's one of my boys. Yeah. I love me some Matt Martin, just like Pascal. Um, Matt Martin is a phenomenal human being. He's doesn't look like he should ever drop his gloves. The guy's like a fucking professional male model. He's yeah, I good, say he's always so pretty. And he doesn't good age. Good looking kid. Yeah, I mean, um, when I played with him, he was young Matt Martin, rookie. Yeah. Was like a sponge, dude. Just got worked every day with on his skating and his skills and fucking learning how to fight. I'd work with him all the time. Like, he just fucking loved it. And, um... You know, just a great pro. Um, even, I mean, obviously now everyone knows that. But, yeah. I mean, as a young player, right, sometimes it takes guys a bit. But not him. Like, this guy just is a hard worker, great fucking pro, great teammate. Do whatever it takes. Block shots, hit, try to chip in offensively. Like, I'd hang out with him all the time outside the rink. Like, him and Caddick and you know, Wrecker and Clementi have lived with me because he's a Russian from another country. So, um Garth wanted him to stay with me, which is, you know, an ultimate compliment, right? He lived with me and my family, and he was, like, my second son. And, you know, even though, you know, I was, what, 30 30 years old, I think, at the time, 30, 30. I got to the NHL when I was 31, so, uh, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, Bobby Hughes lived with me um, one year, same thing. Um, But, you know, I still, I love Clementiev, and just, just a great group of guys, man. We had a lot of fun, like, we'd play in playing bocce ball on the fucking beach in the winter and shit and card games and you know looking at i mean it's just it was just a cool place like living literally like less than a sand wedge away from the like walk right out my back door 
and I walk right in the it's right sand. There's no grass, and then you like forty steps, you're standing in the water. Like it was just super cool. It's a it's a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Milford's really cool. Uh, one final guy I want to ask you about, and because you're a fan, you're a student of fighting and everything like that. Here's a guy who uh was an absolute warrior his whole career and now he ends up in bridgeport to end his career and what was it like to share a locker room with brendan witt oh i love him yeah that's what i'm saying i figured <laughs> oh, you would man i could tell some crazy stories about him but i just can't bring him out like it's that's okay no i just can't <laughs> like there's one though that i'll tell you off air that is like literally he's made one of the most legendary comments to me but with the whole room le- listening uh, it's about his tattoo. If he listens, I want him to hear this, but I, I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah. It's about the, this a beautiful, amazing tattoo he has of a woman on his forearm. Okay. And it's actually his wife. But the, what he said to me, I will never – I could be have dementia or whatever when I'm old. I will never forget this moment. <laughs> the guy was a fucking warrior. Like yeah. his back tattoo covered his whole back. He's just big grizzled, constantly had a monster like Swedish snooze in was came down and was like one of the boys like treated everyone like they were like fucking NHL superstars. I mean, he wasn't a captain in the NHL for nothing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he get away with a little more because, you know, he played fucking what a thousand fucking games or something. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, he'd get away with a little more. So, like, and this is when the game was starting to change, right? So, like, he would just be old school in front of the net, and I love that. Like, spear in the back of the knee, slash on top of this fucking skate, cross-check in the ribs. Like, he's moving you. It doesn't matter. Like, right. he, and he played every day hard. Like, he came down making big money. He was a warrior in practice. He was a warrior in the games. He never bitched. He fucking was a fucking true pro, and I'm honored to have played with him. Um, you know, and every people who don't know the story, I mean, um, he should have never been down there. It's, uh, he stuck up for something that he believed in and said something to a certain somebody in, in an organization and, and they tried to bury him thinking he would quit. You know, he earned that money by being a warrior and having a hell of a career. So, you know, I think good for guys that actually go down and say, you know, fuck you, you're not going to make me break. And, um, and, um, uh, you know. I'm sure Garth loved him. It wasn't Garth. Yeah. Garth's, Garth's awesome. I love Garth. So mm-hmm. not going to get into it, but yeah. you know, he, I know the story. You probably know the story and um, that's all that matters. And um, came down and was just a fucking warrior. And, and man, he was a pleasure to play with, dude. He, he went all out every day, every minute, every shift, every practice, uh, working out in the gym, you know, come in long, crazy hair and just a big, big boy. And, Man, I love that dude. I can. I don't talk to him, but I wish I could reconnect with him. Uh, he was. He was awesome. He's one of my faves. Yeah, he was on social media for a while, and then all of a sudden he just disappeared. So I don't. Yeah, know. like Witter. Witter was like so interesting to talk to, bro. Yeah. He like had like fucking all kinds of different animals and shit, like mm-hmm. monkeys and all kinds of stuff that are like with diapers and that are their pets in the house. Like he's just <laughs> so cool, dude. Like yeah. I mean, there's this is one cool ass. You know, as my buddy-in-law says, like. The sun doesn't set on two cool ass motherfuckers is what he writes and tells me when it's in him. Yeah. But like literally, like I mean, Brandon Witt is a fucking cool cat. Um I gotta ask, any significance to the number fifty one? <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, no one's really asked this before. So so I was always number four growing up. Mm-hmm. Six or six in the early years and then four, like from like probably 
major peewee all the way up. Then I wore four in Kaladin, and I wore 40 in, not 40, what number was I? 44, because I, someone else had four. 44 in North Bay, and then, you know, four in Oshawa, and then four throughout my career. So I finally get called up, and I get put on wing right after a couple games and you get what you get you're not going to say a fucking word when she finally gets to the american league so when i finally got there and stayed with tom Rowe, i was number 15 well i did really well in that number so it's it's simple-minded but you know five minus one is four five one backwards it makes you look bigger than 15 mm-hmm. um no one was wearing it um it turned out that a guy that I was very tough, that was a lefty, that kind of was built like me, that I never fought, but he was nails. Stephen Pete. And when I did my mm-hmm. research, I was, well, Stephen Pete's 51. He's a bad motherfucker. We're the same age. Um, I'm like, I'm just going with 51 because I don't like 15. So yeah. the next year when I went to Springy, it was my first year in 5-1, and I wore it forever until I got to the island. And I wore it in Europe and wore 14 in the KHL, 51 in Finland or 51 the rest of the time. Like that's like my number. That's the number I identify with in the minors. And yeah, you know, big five, one, big five, one coming at you. You heard, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I so, used to say in the room, the boys would love it. I'd be like, Oh, big five, one coming at you. You heard. <laughs> Was there any, ever any discussion with Franz Nielsen about getting 51 once you got to the Island? Not a fucking chance. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I had to ask that too. I wouldn't say a fucking word. I was a 31-year-old rookie, dog. No, you know I know. Like, I love me some Franz Nielsen. Yeah. We used to go get lunch and just a gentleman. Like, he's, I truly think he's the most underrated fucking NHL player. He was so fucking nasty. Yep. Like, best shootout guy i ever seen. Like, he'd literally call it. You know, you knew what he was going to do. He'd come down, dink, dink, you know, fucking bar down. Like, as they say in um, – Missing curfew, bar Mexico, like backhand right under the bar. Like just, he's this fucking great guy. Like yeah. great player, great teammate. Um, so yeah, I wasn't saying a word, yeah. man. I was honored to go up and, and wear one for, you know, old school. <laughs> At least they didn't give me like 62 yeah. or something. You know, you're, you know, you're not going to be there long when you have a number like that. So, right. Right. You know, when a guy like Boggs, he says, you know, we, we, a lot of legends have wore this number. Like we really, uh, you know, you know, you earned it. He's like, I want, you know, you're going to wear 14. Well, then, you know, you're instantly feeling part of the group, you know, like yeah. before you even get with the boys, I mean, you know, you got to, you got to earn their trust. But, um, you know, with the, with the, the scat, the staff there, a lot of people don't talk about the staffs in different places. Like just the fucking staff, man, the medical guys, like Bogsy, you know, shaky, like the whole crew, man. Um, just treated me so well and just were fucking awesome and you know huge thank you to them and some of they're all still there you know a lot of them um it's kind of cool boggs is still there shakes isn't somewhere else but he's still in the game keep in touch with him just like yeah he's in iowa yeah you know like just relationships that were just so special um you know at that time and you know they probably loved having a guy to fucking didn't give a shit and that was gonna do it and and do it for the boys right so Hence why the fans took a liking to me. So, yeah, I didn't think that you had. A, I didn't think you went up to Franz Nielsen and tried to give him a roll no, or something. But, uh, no, but I, I, would, but I, I wanted to. I ask wasn't making myself. enough money, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Think and so. yeah, he he earned it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no, 14 was cool. I have both my jerseys sitting proudly right here. In my I haven't done them up yet, but um, 
you know, one's for my son, the old school one, you know, with the older colors. Yep. My son loves that one, and my daughter's getting the new school for my full year and have both of them game worns, and I get offered a lot of money to sell them, but mm-hmm. it's just something like I'd rather go – I mean, it's never going to happen because I'm doing well, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm thankful for that. But I'd go live in a trailer before I ever sold those jerseys. They mean right. that much to me, and I think, you know, I still talk to so many Islanders fans, and I think they know that – you know, it was definitely the pinnacle and the highlight of my career, and you know I'm, I was honored to wear the crest, and I'll bleed blue and orange the rest of my life, and and that's just a fact. So, uh, you know, I got one from when we came up um, for the alumni, and uh, that one, my client Augusta Art and Frame here, that's they do like framing of like master stuff, anything you really want framed, custom framing, different cool stuff. They made it up for me when I saved them a bunch of money on their credit card, so it's got my NHL goal going down the line you see the gloves and then uh you got i'm looking at it right now and then you got kanopka with the biggest smile on his face and it's all matted like with like suede and you know it's blue and white and then it's got the jersey and then orange in the background i'll send you a pic and then there's another pic it's all in there of me fighting bugard and the redemption fight where i survive don't die and um it's cool it's a good shot i'm landing one across his nose and his helmet's in the air and then it's got two hockey cards that are front and back um, so, you know, just special memories, um, got my Islanders, uh, right here in my home office where I work out of every day. I got my NHL assist up there. I'm going down the line against the Leafs. Uh, I believe I assisted, uh, it was Park and Jackman, a little play out front and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a cycle type deal. And then they made a nice pass out front. And I think, uh, I think Park scored. It was either Park or Jackman. So the pucks in there, game sheet, all that stuff. I mean, you know. Um, anyone, you know, not anyone, but getting to the league is special, but, you know, in the fights, obviously that's what I do, but no one can take away, uh, you know, the few points I had. So they're obviously pretty special. So that one's up there. And then, uh, and then I got another pick of me going down the line. That's actually in color of me and Z. Um, yeah, I love that guy. Um, he was one of the best teammates and leaders ever, um, in American league NHL. So special relationship with him that will, you know, we don't talk as much. He's in Canada doing his thing. But, you know, we love getting together at the um, alumni thing and, and sure light it up together. So uh, just like the old days, AZ. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then I have my NHL goal over here where I keep uh, some high-end bourbon that I'm not cracking till I get to certain levels in my business. So I got a bottle of Crown Royal XR Extra Rare, and it's in a big fancy case um that i'll crack at a certain level hopefully sooner than later so um no but man i'm super proud to have to have played for the isles and i work for a company from long island i you know got buddies like you tons of people i still talk to and you know it truly was like uh the best the best experience of my life okay okay so you mentioned this already um and for people that aren't familiar with it i know i think there's a video on youtube about your prep, your pregame prep, and it's uh, it's the off ice portion of it. I think it was filmed in Bridgeport. Um, yeah, so that one, you know, I know people are watching me, so I don't do as much. Like right. I could see the cameras, you know. So that's not really it. Well, I, mean, I was going to ask you that if you could take us through it, you know, from whatever prep you did, like pregame, and then bring it on the ice for the pregame warm up. Well, I mean, I might get there. And, um... You know, depending on if something's hurt, might do some like ice buckets, you know, for my hand, which anyone who fights that doesn't do this, you're 
missing out. You need to get like the, you know, a lot of the places when you, especially when you're on the road, have double bubble. So like uh, different kinds of bubble gum. They probably got better stuff now in the NHL. This is a long time ago, but um, you know, at the time, that's what there was double bubble, and it's like a big kind of plastic, um, you know, pail really, and um, just put a bunch of ice in it and water and. And then I get to go by the hot tub or, or get a hot one as well and go back and forth. So what that does is that people who don't know, it creates a ton of blood flow in your hand, which more blood flow to an area helps, helps it heal faster. And when you're fighting a lot, especially, you know, NHL level, we're not going buckets off and you're hitting some helmets. Um, you know, that's, a, that's definitely in order to do the job and be there for your teammates, you really need to look after yourself. So, um, you know, definitely put the time in on making sure I had a, a, you know, a healthy, healthy hand and healthy body. So one thing that's super cool that people don't realize is you're not getting all these fancy massages and night, the, the meals aren't the same in the minors, right? Like you'd eat grease wheels and which is pizza and, you know, sub, chicken Parmesan sub or chicken wings and shit like that. Like some of these places, you know, back then that's what there was to eat. So, um, you know, in the NHL, you got the best food, you got phenomenal trainers, a better, better equipment, better, you know, stuff like Norma and they got all that now. And, um, massage, like you were expected to get on the massage table in the island, and um, which I loved. That was amazing because um, I my back and hips. It just it's it's huge. Flush the legs, and then they were they were also really big on cold and cold. You know, going from the going in the cold tub for a certain amount of time, and um, you know that is I already had done that because I'm old school, and um, you know even all the time in the minors, like I feel like. A lot of guys would only get in there for a couple minutes. Like I like, I love the UFC and real following real fighters. Mm-hmm. So, just for like mental toughness and fortitude, um, I think the minimum is you got to go ten minutes. Um, so ten minutes is tough in a in a ice in a huge thing of many coolers of ice, but it'll make you feel great. So um, you know, it, it was cool to see like a whole team where it was mandatory to get in. It didn't matter who you were, you know, JT, any of the boys, like, didn't matter if you were top player or, or bottom end, like, you were expected to. Everyone do it, um, give us our best chance for to recover, right? Water, hydration, good food, and you can heal faster. I mean, it's there's a lot of things that people don't understand, but the NHL is is the best league for a reason and, and the resources and things that you have, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, um... Yeah, I don't. I probably went on a little rant there, but no, uh, it's okay. It's all part of the oh, prep. Man, it was so cool, dude. But I would do all kinds of shit, man. Like I'm real big on um, hip circles and different groin things. Like they, the one trainer that was there that they brought in was, he was awesome. So like a lot of that stuff I'd do, and I do a full dynamic warm up, like jumping around, like cra- all kinds of shit. I'd shadow box. I'd stick handle a wooden ball, like they call it a. They call it a finished stick handling ball. There's one that's the same size as a puck. Um, it's a ball. It's black. It looks like a puck. It's made of the same shit. It's the exact same weight as a puck. You know, just just working on picking pucks up, like, you know, protecting the puck, like just little shit that I always had to work on, right? Like uh, I wasn't as skilled as some of these guys. So, you know, it was really intense. Like I, I fully believe in if you're not sweat, truly sweaty, like I'm not talking a little glisten, like I'm talking a full drip, especially in my role. The, the top players can't. They play too much every night, right? right? Like they do what they got to do and then they use warm-up, right? 
and they might do a little stuff before everyone does something. Even if a lot of guys, as you see now, because they come out with the videos, they play two touch, right? That's that badass soccer game. They yeah. call it Super Bowl, which is really cool. But that wasn't me. Um, they'd asked me to do it, and I and I and I sure I'd like want to jump in, but I I never would. I said, you know, I gotta be ready to fight. So, you know, I do my thing, and um, it worked. Like I took it serious as a heart attack, Joe. So like, um, you know, this is how I feed my family. Like this has been my dream my whole life. Um, you know, since I'm five years old. So, you know, and you never know how long it's gonna be, Joe. You know, yeah. I'm not on a one way contract, so. Um, you know, every, every day, every practice is important. Um, yeah, I can't stress that enough to, you never know who's watching, right? Like, and I could care less who's watching. Like it's, it's important to be constantly like when I was at home, you know, it wasn't all peaches and roses. Oh, you're in the NHL. Like the hardest thing to do is to stay there more than a, you know, a little, little stint. And, yeah. you know, I was able to stay for a little, a little, lot longer than a stint. So um, you know, I'd be at home studying tape on every guy. Like I would look at the schedule and I know who exactly is on every team. Like I could tell you every team probably from back then who they had and I'd study them and you can't fight them all the same, right? Some guys have different strengths and different tendencies and they're a lot longer. They're stronger. They might not have a left hand at all. They might have a missile, right? Like Goddard or, you, you know, you have, you have to break them down, dude. It's like, it's like being a coach. They spend so much damn time on video like breaking down systems tendencies like weaknesses how you you know it's this is the big leagues for a reason i mean this is a fucking business so i treated it just like that and um and almost everyone who who has any success especially the guys that can carve out the careers they carve out they're doing everything man i mean this is big business and um you know ultimately the biggest blessing to get to live out your boyhood dream and um, whether it's uh, a few games or in pro or in the minors or it's in the NHL or the crazy long careers like some of them are amazing are blessed to have had, um, you know, it's it is the best job on earth and the best game on earth. So, uh, you know, um, like a guy like John Tavares used to study every goalie. He had a book on every fucking goalie in the league and he'd sit there in the change stall where you get out of your suits, which isn't where your equipment is. There's two separate rooms and um I don't know if it's like that anymore, but pretty much every team I've ever played on, there's two separate rooms. There's an area to get out of your suit, put your watch, all that stuff up. And then there's an area, there's a bunch of areas, the gym, the, the locker room. And he would study every goalie. And I know a lot of Islander fans give him a lot of hell. I get it. Um, you know, but I loved, I loved protecting John Tavares. He was a consummate professional. I don't know if I'm saying the word right. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was awesome. He worked on his game tirelessly every day. Um, great, great young player. And, um, man, that just goes to show, like, everyone's doing extra stuff. That's why I brought it up. Like, you know, whether it's a guy like me that needs to be out there skating and doing skill stuff with Bernie Cassell before every practice to get better and to stay, uh, to to everyone doing their own thing, right? Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but, yeah, man, it was a fucking blast. Now in Bridgeport, now well, everybody that knows of you, especially here on the island, probably, what's the first thing you know? You know about Trevor Gillies? They're going to say stash. one of two things: toughness or the stash. And <laughs> I think that this was where the stash really became your trademark. And if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, 
it was yourself, Joe Recklish, and Scott Monroe. Oh, very good stash, research, right? Joe. I'm impressed. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So, you know, so for the fans to break it down a little bit, everyone knows like there's different things for cancer and, um, you know, we've all lost loved ones and family members to the big C and what I always say is fuck the big C. So, um, you know, anything we can do as athletes to, you know, raise a little money, um, create more awareness, uh, to do our part in something that is, you know, devastates families and, and people and, um, you know, is a huge deal. Um, so, you know, that's just my thought process on it. But they have a thing called, uh, most people, if they don't know, they need to look into it. You know, like uh, females can, or males, I guess, can grow their hair real long and, and donate to different charities. One of them being Locks of Love. There's a huge thing. I didn't have long hair. The other one is called St. Baldrick's, and that is where you shave your head for, for cancer, for men's cancer and stuff like that. And then there's also Movember. Um, which I believe is for prostate cancer or something like yes. that, like mm-hmm. men's health, men's sexual health stuff. Um, you know, and so we had a bet and, you know, some people might not think $500 is a lot of money because it, it really isn't nowadays. But um, when you're in the minor leagues, uh, $500 is a, is a nice little chunk. It's not a 50 or a hundred dollar bet as we say a dollar if you gamble. So um, I was pot committed, Joe. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew Joel Recklish was, was going to be very pot committed as well. Just his mentality as a warrior. And it was kind of like a cool little thing we did. And, you know, it kind of created a life of its own and I didn't really trim it much at first. And I could pull it from one side to the other side of my mouth. It would touch. Um, it was gnarly, dude. It was real old school. It was old school Islander shit, you know, old school NHL. Um, it was, it was kind of cool. My wife absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> You know, but uh, I told her I was pot committed. I wasn't losing the 500, and I didn't lose the 500, bro. So I won. And um, so, you know, drinking wine after a game with the boys, you know, a little bit of rouge, never heard anyone celebrate the wins, you know. Uh, ice it from the inside, I like to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not having any tonight, but uh, maybe, maybe something else was eaten. But um, so I have, I have like a glass of wine and my, my mustache was so long that it would like, if I had anything that wasn't a dark shirt, it would, the hairs would like almost be like a broom and it would flick onto my shirt. Like it was wild. So then I get called up. Right. And I'm sure you're going to get into that, but I get the call and shit, I'm 31. It's on my 31st birthday, I believe something like that. I play the Philadelphia Flyers and I have a great game. I play like seven and a half minutes or some shit like that. 740, whatever it was. And, um, you know, I have a bunch of hits and, um, no one would fight me and, um, whatever. But, uh, you know, that's on the road and I hop on the train and I go on this, this luxury train there and man, it was fucking awesome. And so, um, you know, I get sent down really after that game on, but I didn't get sent down, Joe. That's what people don't realize. Like this is something I wanted to tell people. So I get sent down, but not, I'm still there with the boys. You got sent down on paper. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I was making 75, right? On an AHL one way. And then they converted me to league minimum, which I believe was 450 or 475. Um, and it's prorated, so but it's fucking game changing. Like yeah. it's it's a big deal, you know. It's like you're like, oh my god, I'm making this a day. Like this is insane. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing this job for years for like fractions of this. 
Um, and so it was amazing. But the guys are just so fucking welcoming. And, you know, Garth told me what was happening, but it was really through my agent. And in order for me to, t- to take that game, this is what people don't realize. It's not like I got called up making 75. In order for me to sign the contract with the Isles, because I knew I was get going up. They told me I was going up. I'm going to get to play. That I needed to take 40000 in the American League. And that's a fucking, that's back to like when I first joined the league. Yeah. Like that is tough, especially living in uh if I only go up for that one game and I get sent back for the rest of the year and I make it 40 grand in Milford, Connecticut, our yeah. rent is through the roof there. Yeah, yeah. Like it's expensive in Connecticut. It's yeah. like Cali. So I'm like, fuck it. Like I'm doing it and like, I'm, this is my chance. Like I've been working my ass off. I'm fucking ready, you know? Mm-hmm. And so. I went up with that mentality and I just couldn't find fights, but luckily, um, you know, Garth kept me up after that one. I played a good game and the boys are fantastic. It was awesome, man. I'll never forget the, the stereo system in Philly and just like all the hairs on my body. Like it was fucking rocking Joe. I mean, it was just like sick beats and some of the songs, like all of the lights was big back then. Like they're all coming on. I mean, fucking everyone's yelling at you you know, a rowdy crowd in Philly. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. You know, it was so different vibe than Anaheim Pond, even though that was special too. But like, I'm like, damn, this is the league. You know what I mean? Like, this is the national league. Like, look at these fucking fans. They're hostile. This is amazing. And, um, you know, so then they kept me up, man. And the team went on the road. We ended up having rookie party. So Garth wanted me to be involved and be around the boys. So I never had to pay because I wasn't only playing the one game, but I got to like, you know, hang out with like Dougie Waite and Dwayne Rolison, who I played with in the minors and all the guys like me and Ricky. And just, it was incredible. And it was, we had like Wagyu beef and it was just an amazing rookie party. And, um, you know, and then I went down after that trip to Florida, I went down to Bridgie and just busted my father. You know, a lot of guys would probably sulk like, Oh, I finally got there. I went down and worked harder than ever, man. I could smell the blood in the water. So I'm like, Oh fuck. I'm close. Like just keep fucking pushing like every day, like just grinding and lifting and doing extra. And then I finally got the call, man. I was making 40 for a bit and that was tough, but got the call up and never went back until, uh, you know, pretty much all the tough guys were gone. So, um, dude, it just was, was so amazing, but I got to tell you how I really got to the league. Cause a lot of people give my boy Ricky DiPietro shit cause of his contract. And I cannot tell you, as you know, I mean, for me, for him, he's like fucking God. So, uh, you know, he went to bad for me, dude. Like I would the Islanders would have never known who minor league Trevor Gillies was if it wasn't for Ricky DiPietro. So you know, Ricky came down, his body, you know, obviously, you know, he was a stud young goalie and his body kind of failed him and he had a lot of surgeries, hips, knees and all and the like and um, came down was a true pro, treated just like Brandon Witt. He treated the boys to a bunch of meals, um, was an amazing, like he was down there for conditioning and and uh, like I told you, I almost lost my career the year before. So every day at our practice rink, um, there was a badass gym up top. And so I'd go work out after practice every day before going home. You know, we had our, all our gear there. And when we go to the game rink, they bring everything over for us. You know what I mean? So I'd go work out and, um, you know, Ricky's the same mentality. Like Ricky looks like when you go to the doctor and there's a bone chart there 
on the left hand side and on the right hand side there's a muscle chart there with no skin that's yeah. how he he's that committed to mm-hmm. eating working out he's shredded like he it looks like a bar he could cut off any piece you want like oh this is the filet oh this is the porterhouse like it's like <laughs> that and so i'm working out and he comes up to me i call him uncle ricky and so uncle ricky comes up to me and i'm older than ricky you know what yeah. i'm saying so comes up to me and he's like hey gilly he's like uh so this is pretty cool you know and i know who the fuck he is right like uh, i mean i'm cool with him in the room but i'm i'm doing my thing he's doing his thing so he comes up to me in the gym and he says he goes hey gilly what are you doing man i'm like what does it look like i'm doing i'm working out bro (laughs) 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 he goes well what what the fuck are you doing we got a game tonight and you're playing i said doesn't matter i said I didn't call him Uncle Ricky. Then I said, yeah. I said, Rick, I said, uh, I said, I work out every day, bro. And then I told him the story. I said, I almost lost my career last year. Like, I'm not fucking around. And I go, I'm going to be ready tonight because I'm going to fight. I think I fought Brennan or something. I don't know. He's tough, but I won the fight. And um, You fought you know, him was, three times that year, so it yeah, probably yeah, yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, like, I, I was trying to – I was – you know, this is before I got the call. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is my job, dude. Like I take it serious. Like, uh, and I want to be the top dog in the league. I'm not saying I was, but I was definitely up there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that takes constant work and preparation. I mean, it's a heavyweight division. I mean, you can get really fucked up if you're not ready. So, um, you know, you can get fucked up for life. Uh, so yeah, man, Ricky goes to me, he goes, Oh, he goes, Oh, that's cool, man. He's like, I love working out. He's like, uh, you want to start working out together? And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I want to work out with you. So we started working out together every day. And and then when we went up, um, he told me he was going to tell Garth about me because I was beating the bag off of guys. Like, I was having a good year fight-wise. And mm-hmm. I loved the team. We had a tough fucking team, good team, good skill, and some good young goalies. And then, you know, obviously we had Ricky. And, um, and then when he went back up, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He told Garth about me, and, um, you know, I got called up. He, um, forever, I'm forever grateful for that. You know, he didn't need to do that, dude. You know what I mean? He, he knew, you know, he said, he goes, this, he goes, this Gillies guy is a real deal. Like we got to give him a shot, you know, and kind of that's, that's fucking huge, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's great because so many times and you never know. I mean, you obviously you're a professional athlete, you know, these guys, but so many times you don't know if he's actually going to do it. And the next thing you know, I, I don't know how it happens. Then does does, uh, does Garth reach out to you? Does he reach out to Cappy? How does that work? Where you you know that they want to sign you and call you up? Well, Caps called me in. You know what I'm saying? Like Caps yeah. called me in and told me, and I was just like floored. I was so yeah. fucking pumped. You know, been waiting for it for years. You know, and it just I got to the point, Joe. To be totally honest, like and humble about it, that I never lost hope, bro. But it was to the point where I was like, man, I'm, I'm almost 31. Like I'm going to be 31 this season. Like I'm kind of, it's almost to the point where I'm like, fuck, it might not happen again. You know, I might just have to be thankful for the one and, and, and enjoy being the, being the boy to the young bucks and try to help develop young talent and make sure they're safe and protected. Um, and that's what I took pride in doing, but I still always trained and still thought like I have a shot, like, you know, and, and for it to come true, man, um, even if it was just the one game again, then I'm not like, at least I got back there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the mentality. Like, I just got to get back there. I just got to get fucking back there. Do whatever the fuck it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once you get there, you're like, I, you know, so it's like, you almost like, you're not, 
I enjoyed the hell out of it, but you're never like I'm type A and I'm always chasing the carrot. So it's not like I ever got I never got comfortable, mm-hmm. which I think helped me do well, you know. And now I look back and I'm like, damn, like I wish I could have taken it in a little bit more, you know. But you can't think like that because if you think like that, you're fucking done. Right. Like you gotta you know it's it's that whole mentality, right? It's like as soon as the gazelle gets up, you know, as soon as the gazelle gets up, what 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 happens, Joe? As soon as he gets up, he gets mauled. As soon as the gazelle gets up in the morning, it has to fucking run for its life. Oh, yeah. Lions are hunting them fuckers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's pretty intense analogy, but I got a lion on my on my chest from my the middle of my chest all the way down my shoulder. Like, um, you know, I just think it's a beautiful, ferocious animal, um, especially the females. Um, you know, so that's my mentality, man. Like, I had to, I had to run. Like, I had to... I had to try to stay alive and, and get better. And, you know, that that's something that I loved about Tavares and almost everyone on the team is, you know, that, that mentality up there, that, that energy, like everyone's trying to just become half a percent better every day, right? And it's very hard as a human and as an athlete to become half a percent better every day. You fail almost most days than not, right? Yeah. But that just means you're that much closer to a win, a yes, or becoming half a percent better. So I'm truly, um, now I'm so thankful, um, like truly just everything from the fans to, to Charles Wong and how he treated me to Garth to, to every single element of it, um, was, was fucking, it was like a movie, dude. You know, it was, it was sick, bro. Now, when you get called up and you're up to stay, um, does it help? that you you have some familiar faces there like wrecker is there i think mike haley's there matt martin's there obviously uh ricky's there uh tim jackman's there does that help with the transition up uh, uh you know making the transition to hopefully stay in the nhl yeah man it was it was so cool because like i also play with roly right and roly was a big deal like he was a stud player stud goalie so you know, I played with Roley when I was a young buck, and, and he was. You know, I played in the playoffs in in Worcester, and he was the stud goalie I told you about a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, I knew some guys, you know, and then played against Jerv and the A, and I played against a lot of these guys. Like the Islanders, like, did a pretty good job of developing talent in, the, in Bridgie, and I'm sure they still they still do. Yeah. And um, you know, and then those guys become guys that have good careers, like up there or somewhere else. But um. You know, so that was super cool. So I went on that rookie party. Like I was sitting drinking a bottle of Louis the Thirteenth with Doug Wade. Louis the Thirteenth. Look up the price on it. It's like five grand. Like it's a huge. Chris, the bottle alone empties like fifteen hundred bucks. Wow. And I'm not even a fucking. I played two games. You know, and um, but they just, you know, they just kind of like were so good to me. And like I had a two hundred fifty dollar ounce i think it is per ounce like a shot or a little bit more than a shot and a hardball glass and they just treated me like i was a fucking like big league veteran and i wasn't i was a 31 year old rookie it's like one of the oldest rookies of all time so that's so cool too um you know i'm sitting there with ricky and dougie wade and roly and you know just all the old boys and 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 you know technically i should be paying but they didn't make me pay till the next year um, when I was actually there and had some money. But, um, you know, man, it was just super special. And, it, yeah, it totally made it easier, buddy. Um, you know, it's not like I am I was walking into the, the Pittsburgh Penguins room and, 
not knowing a soul, you know, like, uh, I'd played for the farm team. I played for so long that I knew so many guys and man, it was just like, that was a really close hockey club, dude. You know, like, um, people don't realize like, yeah, okay. If it wasn't for November, we would have made the playoffs. Like we didn't win a fucking game in November. Like, you know, it ended up costing, um, Gordo his job. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's when cap came up and I love cap. I love Gordo too. Gordo was good to me, man. So, um, you know, it's, it was just such a close team and, and, you know, some um, memories that I'll, I'll cherish for forever. Now, when you were, um, that first year with the Islanders, you had, uh, two assistant coaches there. One who I'm, I'm very happy to say I'm very good friends with another love guy them who, both. who love I them met both. through, you know, when everything went happened. Uh, I've known Dean Chanel forever and Scott Allen's a great guy. Now, does it help when you have coaches who you know are in your corner and appreciate what you do? I mean, obviously it's sort of a dumb question, but um, I think it's some- not, it's not, I'm glad you talked about it. Cause I want to talk about them and others. So go okay, finish. Go no, you go ahead then take it from there. So Scotty Allen, people don't realize his, his nickname's bulldog. He worked with me pretty much every day. Either him or Dino would work on different things with me every day. Um, they both played tough physical hockey when they played. Yep. Jack Capuano loves tough guys. He treated me incredible in the minors. He treated me incredible in the, in the NHL. Um, then you also have Gar Snow. Go back and look at his, his material. Yeah, Gar's yeah. not afraid to throw a six foot five around with a blocker. He fought, um, loves it. You know, like you need that. They get it. These are hockey people old school hockey people. You have Eric Cairns, who in my opinion is an absolute killer and a guy that I love. I, you know, would like to connect with him more. We kind of play a little phone tag. I've had a few little conversations in the last few months and, um, just a great guy that was, you know, on the staff that would constantly talk to me and, and say, fuck yeah, Gilly, what a fight. Like you're doing great, man. Keep it up. And, you know, just, just was a great sounding board, dude. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, the whole experience, man, like it was, it was a great scenario for a guy like me, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, just the opportunity, just, you know, and the extra work, like those assistant coaches, they work so fucking hard, man. People don't realize like the amount of tape and the amount of work and hours these guys put in, they put in way more hours than players. That's what they don't get enough credit. Like it's all about wins and losses. Right. But like, coaching and training like the trainers and the equipment guys i mean these guys are the fucking all-stars like they they're the they're the unsung heroes man without them the ship don't run you know what i mean <laughs> yeah uh, and just just an incredible staff the whole staff front office staff like everyone is so welcoming charles was amazing um you know every every there wasn't a bad thing in my time there Obviously, except for a couple suspensions, but I'm sure we'll get into oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that horse shit. But, hey, whatever. Uh, it's all right. Um, you only played – you played 14 games total that year. You were still second on the team in penalty minutes with uh, with 75 minutes in the 14 games. But um, the funny thing is and, – and you had mentioned this. You couldn't find a fight. You actually played five games before having your first fight as an Islander and in and, – uh, in the six games total, you know, counting that first game, Philadelphia, you only had two penalty minutes. So it begs the question. I know you were probably trying to find a fight, but I gotta, also, I'll tell you, were I'll you working you. on your finesse game also? 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, one thing Trevor Gillies was not was he was not confused. Uh, I knew from a young age what I was going to be doing in pro hockey and grew, try to grow the box uh, to get to the league. And, and very fortunate that the ultimate dream came true and it actually happened. But, um, you know, to be blatantly honest, I was asking every heavyweight on every team and I've, I've been public. I brought this out a long time ago. And so this is when it changed for me, Joe. So. I have all these games. I'm actually playing really good hockey for me. Like I'm, I'm getting a lot of hits. Like I'm in great shape. Like uh, the fans are loving it. Um, you know, I'm starting to hear Gilly's chants and shit. And some of these people are probably like, "Does this guy think he's a skill guy? Like he's got a <laughs> handlebar mustache and he's built like a lunatic and he's old school as fuck." So like they're probably wondering, like, what? When, when's this guy gonna do something? And I was feeling the same thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm like, damn, like what the fuck. And so, um, you know, I asked Jody Shelley, nothing. Like, it's just like all these guys, right? And, um, I, and I'm not saying anything bad about Jody Shelley. Like, I think right. he's a warrior. He's one of my faves. Like, I got ultimate respect for him. But, you know, it wasn't his fault. Like, he had the, we call it the red light. He had the handcuffs on. He wasn't allowed to go me. And so when it all changed was we played against the Rangers. Oh, no. So I got to tell this first. Okay. So I get called into the office with Gordo. And I played, for, what people don't realize is I played for Gordo. He was my assistant coach back in the day, bagging me and working on stuff with me when I got called up to Providence. People don't realize that. You asked about Armstrong, who yep. I love. But Gordo was our assistant coach. And then also the video coach that was in the island was also there in Providence. So, like, I, I also knew him. You know what I'm saying? And I knew Gordo. And then I knew Cappy. So it was always comfortable. Um, but um, Gordo sits me, you know, I sit down in his office and, looking at coach and it's never you know you never i already told you you never think anything good you, you know right you know, you know it's like it actually the first comment was gilly like you're playing great and uh i'm like oh thanks coach and uh you know like <laughs> and uh you know you waiting for the start, butt. yeah and we start chopping it up right and um he goes he, he literally says this to me and i've said it on other podcasts and he said he goes gilly He's like, you're playing great, man. He goes, we can hear you asking from the bench. He's like, we can see you trying to do everything, you know, you can to get in a fight and show the boys what you got, and we need that. He goes, to be honest, Gilly, he said, uh, and he didn't really say to be honest. It was kind of like Gilly. He's like, I coached against you for years in the minors in the American League. He's like, we need that Trevor Gillies, the animal. He's like, pretty much he's warning me, like, and pretty much telling me to have more fuck you to my game. Right. Which I'm so fortunate he did because what if I didn't like keep on asking and just thinking it's going to come to me, right? right? Like these guys don't have nothing to prove. They're already in the league. They're on one ways. So it was a great kind of eye opener and message. Like, and I'm like, it creates a huge sense of urgency. So next game, I'm like, I have to fucking fight this game. Like it was almost like a warning. Like if you don't, you know, you're playing great, but we need this. Like right. we truly need this. And, um, you know, if I don't do it, it's almost like, well, fuck, they'll call someone else up that these guys will fight, you know, or whatever. They'll find someone else. So I'm lined up right beside the fucking bench and we're at MSG. We're playing the rags. And, um, the, so a guy that I love, Brant Myers, he was real good to me when I was young in Providence and he just came out of the bass book. We talked about him. Mm -hmm. So he called, um, he's good friends with Brandon Prust and Prusty and him played together in Omaha, I believe. And, um, you know, Presti's way better hockey player, hockey player than me. I wish I could play like him. 
Um, I got a lot of respect for him. So, but he called Mizey to ask about me and, and Mizey said, Oh, he, he calls me lefty. That's my nickname to him. He's a lefty too. He goes, Oh, lefty. He's like, Oh, Gilly will be coming. Gilly will be asking you a hundred percent. He's like, uh, you know, be, you know, kind of like be ready. Like he's coming. And, um, so I go, I go out against the draw and I had no idea this conversation took place. He told me after and shit. So, um, I go up beside him, I said, and I'd already asked Shell, Shelly, and um, he wouldn't go, right? And so I think it was Shelly. I think Shelly was on the rags then. The year before, no, no. Was he on the rags or was he Philly? Uh, let me see. What are we talking? Anyway, whatever. You keep matter. talking, I'll look. <laughs> doesn't matter. So, like, I ask him, I say, pretty much like this. Not, you know, I can't, can't remember everything, but um, pretty much I go to Presti, I was like, Hey, Presty, you know, like, I really need to get in a fight, bro. Like, bad. Like, I need it. Like, I need it. And um, I'm like, will you give me a go? He literally says this. He's like, fuck me. He's like, he's like, Mizey told me you'd be coming. And I said, come <laughs> on, man. I need it, bro. Like, I mean, I can't. I need it so bad. And he's like, all right. He's like, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. He goes, all right. He's like, I'll give you a go. And I said, all right. I was like, well, let's back. I go, um, let's back up, square off. He goes, no, no, no. Let's go right away. And so I said, nope. And then, so if you watch the fight, as soon as the pucks drop, you'll see me kind of do my thing that I learned. Like, that's what I always started off with. Like, my whole my whole NHL, well, every game, you'll see what I'm doing. And for people who don't know, they probably think, like, what's this guy fucking doing? Is I'm moving to the right, which everyone who fights right-handed, anyone who's a lefty or a righty and they go into the power hand is a fucking moron. <laughs> You're going to get killed. It's like basic ufc boxing like so i just started doing all the things that i constantly trained and drilled and worked in the gym on feet i started practicing on the ice and then that's kind of how i came up with this so i do this against prust he gives me the shot we go to center ice msg it's fucking epic right yeah and my career could have been over as fast as it as fast as that fight happened which was obviously not as fast as i wanted in game one it happened in game six so if you watch it Prusty fucking stings me with the first one. Like, he hits me with a good one. Mm. And um, luckily, I come back, and, uh, you know, we have a good back and forth. Um, you know, I end up kind of taking over a little bit at the end and get the takedown and, and get the win, right? Um, and it was so fucking cool, and the, the boys are fired up, and obviously I'm fucking so pumped that I'm not going to get sent down, and then I actually had a good one. And, um, and this is when it changed. So he was the one who kind of gave me the shot after the game when we're in MSG, you know, they have a ton of reporters. They're all in the fucking room and they're asking me like, you know, great fight or asking whatever, like, uh, you know, you know, how did it feel to get in that one? Whatever. I forget how they like set it up. And I pretty much what happened was it wasn't like I was calling everyone out. I was just like brutally honest, like fully transparent. I, and I said, I go, I've been trying to fight every game. Like I'm asking every guy. And then I was like, and no, none of them will go me. And it might not be them, but they're they're not going. And um, and as soon as I said that, Joe, mm -hmm. it was like the fucking floodgates opened. <laughs> oh, and then they're like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not like I was calling them out, but I wanted it, Joe. Yeah. I wanted it. It was in all the fucking papers, you know. Then they, you know, some of those clips go in the game notes. Yep. Well, now they started to come, Joe. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it just like it went from. So hence, you know, I went from two minutes in five fucking games or six games to 75. You know what yep. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it was awesome. And, um, you know, now the guys were going. 
You know, like Prusty, I give him so much respect because he didn't need to fight me. He's way better player. He's bigger. I mean, he's uh, smaller. His job is not just to be a heavyweight like he could play. Yeah. So for him, I will forever have so much respect because he opened the door for me and gave it gave it where I could actually have a shot and not get sent back down. Um, so for the record, Shelly was with the Rangers that year. So yeah, another good memory. Um, I have to ask you, though, before the game, during the warm-up, you had a conversation. You were uh, chatting with someone. Do you remember who that was with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? I played against I played against Sean Avery in the OHL. Um, he played for Owen Sound. Mm-hmm. A hell of a hockey player. What people don't realize is they just remember him for a lot of his like antics, and yeah. he was the, one of the best agitators in NHL history. I don't care what anyone says. And oh, yeah. Very, very great chirps and a sharp tongue and – you know, I took pride in being one of those guys too, right? So, like, kind of a lunatic. Like, they could say whatever they wanted, and I'd just get louder, and and um, they could never penetrate me because I would just be fucking throwing daggers at them and just, you know, ruthless shit. So, um, actually had some really nice material for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably know because I think I've told you what I said to him, but I won't say it publicly. No, um, I don't. Rem- you probably have told. Yeah, me. I, I don't won't say remember. it publicly. Yeah, just the way it is these mm-hmm. days. And, um, no, definitely you know. don't. Definitely don't. Yeah, no, no that's not my style. But yeah. I got it. I got it from you know someone. Let's just say in the organization that had been around and um, had some dirt, bro. Yeah. And so let it out. And safe to say, he his face changed a little bit because he was just like, <laughs> "Oh, Gillies, you fucking goon, you bum." You know the same <laughs> shit they all say. Real original. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. So, um, so we just went back and forth. It was kind of wild, like right, you know, across the red line and, um, just back and forth. I went over and stretched and shakes was standing right there. And I remember like vividly shaky, just like trying not to die laughing, you know, stay <laughs> professional and we're just going back and forth and, um, you know, but I got, I got respect for Sean. I mean, um, I know how good he is. Like I played against him in the Ontario hockey league. Like he's good player. I truly feel like if he would have stayed a little out of that, some of that stuff, like he might have had a, like one of the most, he could have been an epic NHL or, um, and he, and he had an amazing career. I wish I had his career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, Sean is Sean. I mean, he's been doing that since he was 15 in tier two when I played against him. I mean, He's a fiery guy, and, and I mean that makes it fun. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it was kind of a cool session. I mean, for him to be as established as he is, to be wanting to do that to me, um, I mean, that's just a compliment that I'm fucking doing something right, or at least I did it before to him in the in the past in junior. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're not hated um, or by other teams and you're a heavyweight well then you ain't doing the fucking job right so um i love that shit man i mean that's you know i miss some of the chirps i mean it was some and he's 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 one of the best of all time and some of his chirps are legendary um so yeah no man it was cool um he did try to get at johnny one time and i ripped his uh, i had to go at him um and I got kicked out of MSG that night. I can't yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about later in the game. You guys yeah, sort of came kind of like was going at Johnny or, or Johnny or Como, one of the two. I think it was both. And I happened to be on with those guys. I don't know how the fuck that happened. But, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> late change, I guess, whatever. But I get out there with some of the real good guys sometimes, too. And, um, you know, 
usually that was that was pretty fun because if anyone touched any of them while I'm out there, they're fucking toast. So, uh, <laughs> so I kind of went up to him, ripped his uh, ripped his earpieces off, and gave him a couple little shots, and got booed off of MSG. So that was also pretty cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to go. Yeah, fuck it, right? <laughs> hey, let them know you're there, as they say in Slapshot. Exactly. Thanks again to Trevor Gillies for joining me. Uh, like I said, this is an absolute dream. The uh, the amount of time that Trevor has given me to uh, to talk about his career. I mean, we're basically up to uh, about nine hours now, and we really haven't even finished his first season with the Islanders. Uh, this is just like I said, it's a it's like a gift sent from the heavens. So uh, so thanks again to Trevor for his time, and I'm um, looking forward to bringing you part four next week so uh thank you for listening thank you for the feedback thank you trevor everyone have a great week and be safe